Big Dumb Movie is a comedic podcast that often contains obscene language and outlandish commentary. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Big Dumb Movie, where we discuss movies of the big dumb variety. I'm your host, Corey, and I'm joined with two very special friends. First up, returning guest, old friend of mine, Jonathan. Howdy, howdy. Also joining us for the very first time, new to Big Dumb Movie, my friend, Mark. Hey, how's it going? Hey, thank you for being here, Mark. Thank you for being here, Jonathan. Today we're discussing a 90s classic, like one of the all-time 90s comedy classics in existence, Dumb and Dumber, starring Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels. Yes, we are. And I'm so glad you asked me to be here for this because this is totally in my wheelhouse. Just like, uh, you know, all the Adam Sandler pods and things that we've done in the past. This is this stupid comedy is absolutely what I love about the 90s. Like, I couldn't do this movie without you, Jonathan. You know, it would be like doing Airheads without you. It just would feel <laughs> wrong. You know, Absolutely. I'm honored to be here. This is like one of my favorite dumb comedy movies you know what i mean it reminds me of my childhood very nostalgic for me so i'm really excited to be here so that feeling you're talking about mark i think is very special to people like us that do podcasts like this or maybe even just our generation in general but like i think we all kind of like seek things from our childhood sometimes we go back and it's fucking cool like this and it's it's like fun and it gives you those warm fuzzy feelings and sometimes we go back and it's like Kazam and it's like, this is a piece of fucking shit <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> or a kid in King Arthur's court. Exactly. But, you know, I think we'll talk more about our feelings on this particular movie shortly and whether or not it gets us that positive or negative kind of nostalgia. Before we do that, I think it's only right for us to talk about Jim Carrey because Jim Carrey is a guy that did a lot of movies in the 90s. We've done a lot of podcasts on movies from the 90s. But I think we've only done one podcast featuring Jim Carrey, and that was Batman Forever. And that was when he was like at the height of his fame the year after this movie came out. So this is one of the movies that got him there, Dumb and Dumber. But I'm going to go over to you, Jonathan, first. When we're talking about like Jim Carrey, what movies come to mind for you? How do you choose movies from Jim Carrey? I mean, he literally was cranking these movies out every single year from what 92 93 on in the 90s i i i hate to call the batman movie an actual jim carrey movie because it was such a dog shit <laughs> yeah movie. it's not good but i mean I, I i enjoyed all of his work throughout the 90s he was fun as the riddler though you gotta give him that i ain't giving him shit for that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's hard, man. That's real hard. But one of the movies that really sticks out to me was I really liked the first comedic rated R movie that he did, which was Me, Myself, and Irene. It was just such a unique movie at the time, just seeing this freaking schizo. And I, I think I think that was so nostalgic for the 90s, too. You could, like, calling people schizos and, and things like that. It was just like... 
I, it's I just prefer so... the word spaz. You yeah. Know, spaz was more less offensive and more generally encompassing. Like anyone could be a spaz, right? Nah, but I like to be more offensive. Okay, so. <laughs> that's true. You do. That's true. Yeah. But it was just such a unique movie, and then you just had that disgusting pinched face Zellweger in there, and like. You didn't. You, you weren't into Zellweger. Oh, you didn't think God, she was hot. God, no, 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 never. My favorite part of me, myself, and Irene is that like she has sex with Jim Carrey, but she thinks it's the good one. But it was it was the crazy one. Yeah. And like he had like a dildo. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, look who joined the party. Did you have fun? Ooh, yes, I did. Oh, yes, I did. So I guess old hanky panky wasn't enough for you, huh? He was like, so, Hank wasn't enough for you, huh? And he's, like, shaking the dildo. And she's like, it wasn't for me. <laughs> and he, like, bet doubles over in shame. <laughs> also a Fairly Brothers movie. Also a Fairly Brothers movie. All right, Absolutely. so Fairly Brothers did this movie, of course. That's a ding-ding. Absolutely. But they did a lot of movies. Jim Carrey was in some of them. And they have this weird, like, grotesque, like, humor that kind of like prevailed more in the 2000s than it did in the 90s, but they brought it hard in the 90s. And that movie is an example because there's a lot of like weird, gross shit in that movie, just like in yeah. Kingpin, dude. Yes, absolutely. Another one of my favorites by far. I love that movie too. They did that. And that movie, I mean, Mark, Kingpin has like a unique kind of humor to it, right? Like Kingpin and like Dumb and Dumber are like different. There's like a. It's just a clear rating difference, but like the humor, they take it to the next level, don't you think? Yeah, they actually are similar plot points, though, if you consider it. All right, so two like half witted guys going on a road trip across country. Holy shit. If you think about it. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it starts where they're in some nothing town and they have something cross country that is the passageway to like a better life for them so like they are very parallel in that way kingpin is the the next after dumb and dumber so yeah they're definitely similar yeah you know, they kind of took that and ran with it yeah you know they used the, the breast milk joke twice they did it in kingpin and they did it in me myself and irene <laughs> what else did they use that joke in breast milk in yeah. kingpin yeah remember he he uh takes the bottle of breast milk and from the baby and puts it in his coffee and she's like that's oh breast my milk God. yes i do remember that yeah <laughs> oh okay that's like a subtle joke they don't like put yeah. a lot of attention on that joke that's no you but gotta give a keen eye for that it was definitely more obvious to me myself and irene oh yeah that, that one's like but, obscene yeah like that's like yeah. hardcore now i gotta watch other fairly brothers movies to uh see if that yeah. joke crosses over they had some great movies. I think we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about both Jim Carrey and Fairly Brothers for a moment while I jump in here. Because the Fairly Brothers, they obviously did the two we talked about. They also did Something About Mary, very famous for its time. Yep. Shallow Howl, which is a movie that is somewhat forgotten about, but I still have kind of a soft spot for. Definitely. And they did an Oscar movie called Green Book, which is a fucking amazing drama starring Viggo Mortensen. Mahershala Ali. It's such a good movie and it's not a comedy and it's it's beautiful. And they did this Oscar movie, dude. It won Best Picture, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. But they it's just comparing Green Book to other stuff they've done because I named some of their good movies. But they also did The Ringer. Do you remember The Ringer? Oh yeah. 
dude that uh, movie knoxville yeah that's a piece of shit that movie sucks dude you know what but i i still have it i, and I watch it dude. i knew you'd defend that shit I knew i'm that. not defending it i'm not defending it but i'm not going out of my way to watch it but i still enjoyed it fucking comedian legend johnny knoxville actually he's he's like a trained actor or something he's like went to juilliard or something yeah johnny knoxville actually is like a credentialed actor so i shouldn't talk shit about him but that movie just isn't it doesn't come together like in a, in a movie full of uh special needs actors he was not the best yeah no <laughs> yeah, he was outshined by his co- yeah, co-stars absolutely <laughs> when the fuck did we get ice cream <laughs> how about um the Fairley brothers stuck on you with Matt Damon and Greg Kinnear. They're like twins, but they're stuck to each other. That is almost like a bad SNL joke. Hey, you guys are stuck together. Bob and Walt have nothing in common. I'm not going another step until you apologize to me. Hey, don't you walk away from me. Gross! Yeah, you better run. Bob was an athlete. Oh, oh, oh. Walt lives large. Yes! Keetsy's working her way through med school. You gotta admire that! But when Walt hits the big time... Hey, freaks! Oh! I just found my leading man. They'll have to learn... What am I gonna do? You could be my, my stunt double. ...to stick together. Siamese twins ain't the easiest sell I've ever had. We're not Siamese. We're American. It's awesome! Yeah! It's hard to believe that's real. That really does seem like a a bad skit that got pitched into a movie. Seriously. Kind of like It's Pat. Well, It's Pat literally was a bad skit that got pitched into a movie. So, yeah, very much like It's Pat. Absolutely. (laughs) So, I'm going to talk about some of my Jim Carrey movies that I like. There's one that I'm sure a lot of people have seen at this point. At least I hope so. But there was a long time where, like... No one I really knew heard of it, and it's called Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It is the definitive Valentine's Day drama movie, in my opinion. It's a very surreal movie, and it's very sad, and it's Jim Carrey's finest dramatic role, in my opinion. He is actually a great dramatic actor, and he's an amazing on-screen crier. Truly amazing. So, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is definitely my favorite. I have a couple other honorary mentions, but I don't want to step on Mark's toes. So I'm going to go to you, Mark. Jim Carrey, what do you think? Jim Carrey is, you know, he's such an interesting comedic genius, in my opinion. You know, tries out for an SNL, he gets passed on, then he becomes a superstar with In Living Color. Yeah. But one I really enjoy of his is um, Cable Guy, a movie directed by Ben Stiller. And it's just so funny where Jim Carrey, you know, he befriends uh, Matthew Broderick and Matthew Broderick is just, you know, not having it. But it's just their comedic play on each other. Matthew Broderick being the straight man and Jim Carrey just being so out there with his uh, behaviors and that like basketball scene with Jack Black. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's just so funny. It's so funny to see Jack Black play a straight man to go back in time and look at a movie that like one of Jack Black's first movies and to see him be a non-comedic actor because he doesn't have any comedy in that movie whatsoever. 
and it's really interesting just to see him be that reined in but there's a lot of like little stuff like that in that movie that is super noteworthy for example the oj the faux oj trial that they have going on with ben stiller the sam and stan sweet trial which is like yep. mm-hmm. oj slash the menendez brothers kind of thing the menendez yeah. yeah it's so funny the way they played in the movie like it's like because i For i remember sure. being a kid at, in that era trying to fucking watch cartoons and all it was was oj 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 every yeah. fucking channel and it drove me fucking bananas so the fact that they were making fun of that in that movie to me was like almost like recognizing me, like your generation, kid. You remember you had to watch all this shit? You're just trying to channel surf and you keep seeing this and you don't care? So of its time. And if you notice that like in early 90s, uh, crime was so sensationalized. So like the those big trials were just like flooding the news. Yeah, yeah that, that movie was just so of its time but watching it many years later as and you know very matured well y'all leave that up to yeah, you well, I mean, adult come on, let's not be hasty <laughs> the jokes that just didn't land or didn't hit as a kid because you just really didn't have any reality on what was going on in that movie just hit so much better now and especially with the nostalgic factor looking back on it I love that movie, and I still quote it. My wife and I quote the Medieval Times scene from it all the time. Do you uh, guys ever take the family to Medieval Times? We have, yeah, absolutely. You're going down, Red Knight. You're fucking right. Red Knight we... going down. Down, down, down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fight him. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Janine Garofalo's little cameo as like the waitress who just has had enough of your bullshit. Like, <laughs> Yeah, she, she gives no fucks. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. my lord. That movie is is a total gem. Um, that'll be in my regular rotation probably for many, many, many years. You can tell I obviously have a soft spot for the cable guy, right? Like, oh, for I, sure. I mean, that Medieval Times thing sticks with you, especially if you go to Medieval Times, if you're a SoCal resident like us or wherever the fuck else they have that, I guess. But yeah, I saw it in a drive-in theater, man. I saw it with my best friend, Caleb, at the time. I'm sorry, Jonathan. No offense. but No, that's okay. Yeah. Which actually, you know what's funny is I saw Dumb and Dumber in a drive-in. Okay. Yeah. The one in Ventura, right? Yep. Yeah, it's not there anymore. No. Makes me sad every time I drive by. Yeah, it's a it's a Barnes and Noble now. Hmm. Yeah. Couple other Jim Carrey movies, The Truman Show. Great Absolutely. Movie. The Truman Show. I think it has a mixed perception. When people think back, they say, oh yeah, that was that 90s Jim Carrey movie, right? Where he was like in the TV show and he's like funny. The Truman Show is more tragic than funny, right? I think some people remember it as being more funny because it was Jim Carrey's funny era. And it does have some elements of comedy because you have this superstar comedian. Yeah. But The Truman Show has so much heart. Yeah. And so much sadness to it. And a lot of it is the incredible musical score that is in that movie. It is one of the most amazing scores I've ever heard. And it conveys just this deep sense of tragedy so well. The Truman Show is amazing. What's interesting about The Truman Show is it's very meta 
you know, it's like a reality TV show inside of a movie and he's very, you know, unaware of it, but it it was also right around where other reality TV shows were starting to become a big thing, you know, like the real world and shows like that. So it also speaks to that sort of genre of TV. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was a, a specific era of reality TV and the nature of reality TV, like kind of like changed in the 2000s, I think. But like tr the Truman Show spot within like the realm of reality TV is like kind of an iconic thing, right? The weird meta-ness to it, it kind of makes you perceive reality TV in a different way after you watch The Truman Show because you kind of feel gross, I think, after you watch actual reality TV and with The Truman Show fresh in your mind because it's a bad thing in this movie. And it's a really good concept, The Truman Show. It's just a great idea for a movie, right? It's a really good elevator pitch. What if this whole guy's life was a TV show and he didn't know? Amazing. Absolutely. And then the actual amazing sets that they built, it very much appears to be uh, a set, but the lengths that they create, like a whole world in there, it almost looks like, you know, like Pleasantville or that sort of like mm -hmm. perfect townness, you know, if that makes sense. Yes. It's, it's kind of sad that we think of a reality show as people following somebody around with a camera and people fabricating things intentionally to do for a TV show for quote unquote reality. But this is really the epitome of what a reality TV show would be. Just not having any clue and no visible cameras anywhere. I mean, this, it really like breaks your heart when he starts discovering what and who his life really has has been for the last 30 years. Absolutely. And he it. gets some good cries in that movie. And like yeah. I said, Jim Carrey, one of the best on-screen criers you will ever see in film. Yeah, and, and you would totally not expect it because he's just such a, a comedic actor and, and his stand-up qualities and, and history, you would never think that he would bring that to the table until you actually see it. I'm really blowing Jim Carrey hard here in this podcast so far. Wow. That's okay. But. I've seen you blow worse. <laughs> He also has some stinkers out there. Yeah. Now, maybe we'll get to some of those a little bit later. The guy has made some bullshit in his day. I think after his heyday, he had a string of movies that like were just so unappealing to me. Some I watched, some I didn't. And maybe we'll get to some of those a little bit down the line. But I think we're in a good spot now to talk about Dumb and Dumber. This is the movie we're here to discuss. Dumb and Dumber. Jonathan, how does Dumb and Dumber open up? Well, let me tell you, opening scene, you've got a, a view of a bus stop and maybe like a kind of a rundown, shambled kind of town. You're not really sure where it is. You can definitely tell it's somewhere in America. And you see this limo pass by, hit the brakes, and some weirdo, some weird haircutted guy stick his head out the back of the window asking a girl how to get somewhere. 
she provides the information and he totally fucks it all up and mixes up Austrian accent with an Australian accent. And it really just kind of sets the tone for the movie. You go, okay, I'm in for a wild ride here with some really stupid comedy. And this is the first 20 seconds of the film. And, and I'm in there. I'm all the way in, dude. Uh, locked in on that first scene. And uh, you make the left over the bridge. That's a lovely accent you have. New Jersey? Austria. Austria? <laughs> well then, <laughs> good day, mate. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on the barbie. Let's not. And so I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I for mean, sure I think was. my favorite part about that isn't so much the exchange with the model. It's more so the fact that, like, he's driving a limo, he saw a hot woman, and then he stopped the limo and, like, real quick jumped in the back, took off his little limo driver cap, <laughs> and acted like he was the passenger. That's my favorite reveal of that scene. Absolutely. It's very much character development for Jim Carrey in this movie because he's, all, you know, within 10 seconds of the beginning, he's already trying to, like, act like he's somebody else, like, cooler than he actually is. Right. It does reveal a lot about him and that he's desperately seeking a female companion. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't think he's trying to act like he's cooler than he is, though. I think he just really believes he is that fucking cool. Well, he knows that he has to like deceive her, right? To like act. Oh, as of a course, of course, right? But he he knows in his heart that he can bring to the table everything that needs to be brought, and he is just that guy. He has that confidence about himself through the entire movie. That's evident, and yet. I don't want to use... All right. There's certain words in this podcast I don't want to use. I'm going to say that right now. Yeah. I'm just going to use the word dumb. That's what the movie is called, Dumb and Dumber. And that's what the movie is telling us. These guys are just dumb. So for the duration of this podcast, I'm just going to say he's dumb. So And yet, he is very dumb, right? Absolutely. He is as dumb as a fucking rock. Yeah. However, he brings that air of confidence with it. And that's okay. The beauty in it is that neither of these guys know how dumb they actually are. And I find it beautiful. I love it. It's a true Beavis and Butthead dynamic, right? Yes. Yeah. Grown up Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they are authentically themselves. Like they, they don't claim to be any smarter or dumber than they are. They think right. they're very normal. Right. So that that's our introduction to Lloyd in the movie. Um, we find out that he's the limo driver. Shortly after that, we also meet our other character, Harry. Uh, we find out that he is a, I don't know, what do you call it? A, a, a dog groomer? Dog groomer. Yeah. And he's got a, a really sweet 1984 sheep dog. <laughs> he's turned his, like raper van into a sheepdog like covered it in carpet and like it's got legs and a tongue and eyes and stuff which makes it like more of a raper van oh totally <laughs> totally instead of free candy it's like free dogs yeah. like come pet my dog oh god that's horrible it's awful <laughs> I feel gross. the fact that they call it a shaggin wagon it doesn't help well, yeah and he, like lloyd tells him like chicks love it no they don't no <laughs> no but um, Harry being the guy that he is, 
he uh, has to get these dogs to a, a dog show. And he's feeding these dogs like foot-long hot dogs and and like pastrami sandwiches and shit like that. Totally gets these dogs food that they're not supposed to eat. And these are like premium, like uh, I don't know what do they what do they call those kind of like dogs? Purebred show, show dogs. dogs. Yeah, purebred show dogs. That's exactly it. And um, his boss is is on his case. Tell him he's late. He's got to get there. So he takes. I don't know, back roads and hills and this and that runs all over town. And by the time he gets there to deliver the dogs, they're just totally covered in food and mustard. And it, it's just like, you could just tell that this guy's a fuck up. Everything he's ever done, he just fucks up. And he delivers the dogs to um, Munson's landlord from Kingpin. No way. Yeah. I didn't even catch what? that. There's a lot of, like, reusing actors in the Fairly Brothers movies, and that's definitely one of them. The bartender in Aspen is the... I think that's one of the Fairly Brothers' wives or something. No way. They did her dirty yeah. in Kingpin then, dude. dude. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> Big baby. Oh, my little Roy toy. Oh, disgusting. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks now. <laughs> so... Mark, why don't you tell us about what Lloyd's up to, right? After he's after he's completed his little ruse, he picks up Mary. Exactly. And he is sort of in love at first sight. It's sort of like a continuation of what you, an example of what you just saw from Jim Carrey. So he picks up this girl. He also, like you said, desperately wants to have sort of that connection with a beautiful woman. He's completely in love with her. And they um, are starting to head to the airport. Why are you going to the airport? Flying somewhere? How'd you guess? Well, I saw your luggage. And when I noticed the airline ticket, I put two and two together. So where are you headed? Aspen. Mmm, California. Beautiful. What's the matter? A little tense about the flight? Something like that. There's really nothing to worry about, Mary. Statistically, they say you're more likely to get killed on the way to the airport. Uh, you know, like uh, in a head-on uh, crash or flying off a cliff or getting trapped under a gas truck. That's the worst. Uh, I have this cousin. Oh, I have this cousin. Lloyd, could you keep your eyes on the road, please? As you know, he is not paying attention at all to, you know, the road ahead of him. <laughs> He's like a, about to uh, start a car crash. And she's like, can you pay attention to the road? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, good thinking. Like, a lot of crazies out here. Meanwhile, he is literally, literally that guy. So I, I thought that was uh, really funny. It is a good moment. Like, Lloyd has no, like, self-awareness in terms of, like, he's the one causing all the destruction around him at that moment in time. So that's really nice. But yeah, he does fall in love with Mary at first sight. And that's a lot of what this movie is based on. Like, it takes that and it really runs with it in terms of the plot structure. Jonathan, do you believe in love at first sight? Um, no. No? No. Nope. 
What if it's Mary? What do you think of, of uh, Lauren Holly here as Mary? Is she a good-looking woman or what? She's a really beautiful woman. Yeah. And, and, and there is no way, not even a one-in-a-million chance that Lloyd has a chance with her. The funny thing is, though, Jim Carrey does. Jim Carrey, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yes, they they dated after this movie, correct? They got married after this movie. Wow. Whoa. Right? You Jim married, Carrey married. married this woman. He married Mary. Wow. And it lasted a whole year <laughs> before they got divorced. <laughs> wow. So it's kind of a funny thought. You know, he's after this woman that's way out of his league. But in real life, multimillionaire Jim Carrey does get the girl. There was probably not a hotter actor at the time. And not by not by looks hot. I'm just saying by production and the way he was cranking out movies at the time. He was a top 10 star for sure. I'm going to talk about this real quick because Jim Carrey was the fucking king of the year 1994. 1994 Absolutely. was ruled by Jim Carrey. His breakout movie is called Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Yep. We all know it. Everyone our age fucking knows that movie. It made an insane amount of money. It made him hugely popular. But also that same year, he had two other movies come out. One of them was The Mask, yep. comic book adaptation. Love it. Next movie is this, Dumb and Dumber. So in 1994, he had three number one comedies. That's insane. He could have quit acting right there and probably still been a pretty good legend in the uh, acting history books. Absolutely. It got him paid for this movie. Oh, yeah. His, uh, his status increased his salary uh, significantly for this movie. He made, I think, half the budget or something went to him in this movie. Holy shit. Yeah. What I think is really crazy and somewhat unfair is that, so they really wanted Jim Carrey. They didn't want Jeff Daniels as much. So Jim Carrey was paid $7 million. Jeff Daniels got 50,000. I think it was 500,000. Really? Was it 50 or 500? I was told 50,000. 50,000? Um, That's sad. <laughs> Not even 100 grand? He he must have had some sort of other back-end deal. There's no way he was doing it for 50 grand. Damn, man. I if it is 50, that's sad. I thought it was I thought it was 500. I just like skimmed through some numbers somewhere and I yeah. saw a 5 in there. So that's what my brain connected with. But yeah, that is that is interesting. I mean, uh, what what else did Jeff Daniels do around that time, though? Anything of any significance? I mean, he he's a great actor, but I mean, was arachnophobia around that time? It was somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, arachnophobia, there's no way he made more than like lunch every day. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, Speed came out mm. shortly before this, and that was a a pretty big hit. He didn't have a major role in that, though. I mean, no. Keanu and, and Sandra Bullock. Exactly. So he's like, fit, you know, fifth or sixth, maybe, you know. Yeah. In, he, yeah. So sort of a minor role. And he was sort of known as more of a, a dramatic actor as well. Sure. According to the Speed IMDb credits, his name is Harry in Speed as well. <laughs> and it also came out in 94. Holy shit. So that's very interesting. And before we go back into the movie, I just want to make another quick note here about Jim Carrey in 1994, because according to Jim Carrey, and I don't know if I can believe this man or not, 
But he did a documentary called Jim and Andy, which is about the making of the movie Man on the Moon, where he played Andy Kaufman. And in that movie, he said he went to a palm reader psychic. He went into one of those little shitty, you know, we see a lot of those around here in LA, Jonathan. He went to one of those and the palm reader psychic said, you are going to make three movies that are going to be huge successes and they're going to change your life forever. And then he said the next year he got The Mask, Dumb and Dumber and Ace Ventura. Now, I don't know if that's true. I think he might be rewriting history because that is like a kind of a fun story to like retroactively add to your life. But if it is true, that's fucking amazing. And I need to see the psychic woman. I need to track her down because that's legit. I don't know, man. Just because she gave him something good doesn't mean she's going to give you something good. She's probably going to tell you you're going to have the three worst podcasts you've ever made in the next year. (laughs) One of them's going to be Dumb and Dumber. One of them's going to be The Mask. And one of them's going to be Ace Ventura. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, Um, don't don't push your luck, man. (laughs) Jonathan. Yeah. Lloyd drops Mary off at the airport. Right? He does. He says he does. the hard goodbye. It's very hard for him because this woman actually talked to a man. Sure. But what happens at the airport? Well, let me tell you this. First, he re- it was such a gentleman. He refused a cash tip from her and accepted a hug instead. And it was one of those weird, creepy hugs. <laughs> like he hadn't been hugged in a long time. You know he got wood. All he wanted was to feel her breasts on his chest. Yeah. Like that was the whole purpose for the hug. Yeah. Mission accomplished. <laughs> so Mary takes off. She goes inside the airport and we learn at this point that she's supposed to drop off a briefcase. And then we get introduced to two. I don't know what to call them thugs criminals goons yeah goons is a good word they don't tell you their names until much later but the girl's name is shay and the guy's name is mental yeah i wonder if that's a nickname i I don't know it's joe mentalino is his character name but they all call him mental for short well he is fucking psycho he is so crazy that but he's got ulcers (laughs) um he has health problems he's got some problems for sure so anyways as lloyd is watching mary walk through the airport he ends up crashing his limo sets off the airbag it's a big scene he's staring at mary and he sees her drop the briefcase and thinks that she made a mistake and so abandons the car leaves it wrecked out there in the in the uh, departures terminal runs through the airport picks up this briefcase before the goons can grab it and tries to chase her down and we get this this epic chase through the airport he has no idea where he's gonna go he doesn't understand how to read a departure screen no nope. um, he just says eeny meeny miny mo," picks one and just starts running and somehow that's the right one and he ends up at the right gate and you get this stupid ass scene where he ends up running through the the doorway the jet is already gone and he just flies right off the end like come on dude you had 50 feet to see that there is no plane there and it's just open daylight like, He's like the juggernaut. Once he gets momentum, you can't stop him, man. <laughs> he, can't, he can't put on the brakes. Dude, he is a man on a mission, and he was going to get there at all costs. Yeah, he falls out of there. It's a, it's a nice bit of physical comedy. You know, more for the kids, I think. Yeah. Didn't particularly do it for me these days, but it's like half the jokes in this movie worked for me super well as a kid, and the other yeah. half worked super well for me now. Yeah. Right? That's one of the ones. Yeah. That's one of the kid jokes, the physical. And he's like... Y'all on the floor, all fucked up with his leg bent backwards. And he's yeah. like, ow, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, probably 
as a kid, I liked that scene, that part of the scene much better. But as an adult now, I like the part where the flight attendants are, are, are out there at the service desk and they're like, sir, you can't go in there. And he's like, it's okay. I'm a limo driver and flashes his limo driving badge for some reason and thinks that that's okay to go. That joke sticks with me better than the, the, um, the physical comedy part of it. Yeah. I see what you mean. That scene too was in the trailer and they actually used different takes in the trailer. When he says, I'm a limo driver, he flashes the card in a different way. He like extends mm. his arm over his head. And when he falls, he's actually face down in the trailer. I distinctly remember that because I watched the movie and it was like kind of one of the first times as a kid, I noticed that what happened in the movie is slightly different than the trailer. Yeah. Interesting stuff. You know, and this wasn't Jim Carrey's only dumbass airplane or airport scene either. Because in Liar Liar, he had another unbelievable, ridiculous scene where he took the the rolling motorized staircase to catch up to the plane as it was taking off on the runway. It's just so stupid. Yeah. Like some of this shit is just, I mean, I love this movie. Don't get me wrong. But some of this shit is just ridiculous there's a moment in liar liar though they're at the airport like when the plane is stopped and he pulls his family off the plane in the background there's a firefighter and it's him as fire marshal bill yeah full full on yeah it's legit that's, that's pretty sweet yeah it's kind of a nice little cameo which goes back to the in living color so mark harry and lloyd they go home they both lost their jobs in the same day. How do things go for them? Not great. So, you know, you see them walking in at the same time and, you know, he goes, fell off the jetway again. So going back to the jetway, we knew this wasn't his first time uh, falling off the jetway, which really speaks to just how dumb he is. So both of them sort of down on their luck. But you can also tell that these are two guys that, you know, they have the aspirations of being somebody, but they really don't want to put the hard work in at it. You know, they'll say things like, not unless you want to work 40 hours a week. <laughs> they don't want to put in the work and they don't have any good ideas. They have an idea that they think is really good. They want to open up a pet store for worm farms, but in reality, no one wants that, right? So they, they have this like thing that they want to pull off that even if they get to that point, it ain't going to fucking do them any good. And do you guys notice, I really only noticed this on this viewing, but they live in the fucking projects, man. They, the area they live in oh, sucks. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they're, they're like barely scraping by, but now they have this briefcase and Lloyd has the bright idea to take this briefcase and deliver it to Mary, who he knows is an Aspen. That's all he knows. He doesn't even remember her last name. He knows that it's Mary and that she's in Aspen and that maybe if they go deliver it to her, then he'll have a chance of being a little bit more happy in life with a woman at his side, right? Because he thinks he has this idea that it's going to be this like romantic reunion, which we'll talk about his fantasy about that later. And neither of them actually know geographically where Aspen is. <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> what the hell are we doing? 
doing here, Harry? We gotta get out of this town. Yeah, and go where? Where are we gonna go? I'll tell you where. Someplace warm. A place where the beer flows like wine. Where beautiful women instinctively flock like the salmon of Capistrano. I'm talking about a little place called Aspen. I don't know, Lloyd. The French are assholes. Jim Carrey initially thinks it's California. <laughs> and Harry thinks it's in France. You know, he's like, I don't know. The French are assholes. Or French Canada or something, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Lloyd. The French are assholes. Uh, at least he got the French are assholes part, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Frenchies. <laughs> We don't have a lot of French listeners. It's okay. Yeah. Wait a minute. I know what you're up to, mister. Yeah, you just want to go to Aspen and find that girl who lost her briefcase, and you need me to drive you there, right? Am I right? Yeah. Am I right? Am I right, Lord? So? So I want to go someplace where we know somebody who can plug us into the social pipeline. No, 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 Lloyd. No, I say we stay here, we hunt for jobs, and we keep saving our money for the worm store. I don't know about you, but I am getting sick and tired of of running from creditors. You know what I'm sick and tired of, Harry? I'm sick and tired of having to eke my way through life. Sick and tired of being a nobody. But most of all, Sick and tired of having nobody. Okay, Lloyd. Aspen it is. You better not be fooled. <laughs> So that's their plan, Jonathan. They, they, they do eventually decide to deliver this briefcase to Mary, right? Harry takes a little bit of convincing, but they do decide. But meanwhile, we have these two goons that are on their tail, right? Yeah. They're scoping them out. The goons show up at their apartment and make their way inside, and they kill a bird. They cut a fucking bird's head off. Yeah, poor little Petey. Yeah, definitely ripped his head off and left it there. As a message. A message they didn't get, right? No, they didn't. See, and what's funny is about this whole setup that we didn't really talk about was Harry and Lloyd think that these goons are the bill collectors for the gas company. And so they're just trying to dodge these guys. And meanwhile, the goons are thinking that Harry and Lloyd are like some kind of professional criminals. Criminal fucking masterminds, right? Which is really like one of my favorite plot points of this movie. Because yeah. these guys are so ridiculously inept, Harry and Lloyd. And yet they're perceived by the criminals in this movie, by essentially the bad guys, as being like these two like really good professionals. Like these guys are amazing. Yeah. They're yeah, not I, just anyone. They're good, you know? Like they're pros. Yeah, these guys are fucking pros. <laughs> Leon the professional. Yeah, these guys are two Leon the professionals, <laughs> right? But Jeff Daniels, Harry, is so dumb that when he comes back home, he just thinks Petey's head fell off. Like, he thinks that's a possibility of how an animal could die. Like, their head could fall off. (laughs) My parakeet Petey, 
Yeah? He's dead. Oh. Oh, man. I'm sorry, Harry. What happened? His head fell off. His head fell off? Yeah, he was pretty old. Anytime I'm, like, frustrated or stressed out at the house, I go on a little rant and, you know, telling my wife something, you know, goddamn kids this and that our pets heads are falling <laughs> off like i always bring up that scene i love it <laughs> i like how they also they mention is that the gas man it's almost like foreshadowing for uh mental like they also bring out that character development as well in a very subtle way like that point about like his health that he has gas. Yeah, how do they know about my gas? Because they're yeah. pros, man. They know everything. Yeah. It's like they have done all their research, right? Like, Yep. And ac- according to like Mental and Shay, like they're mocking them by announcing that they're going to Aspen, right? It's yeah. like they're rubbing it right in our faces because they're so bold. Those red bastards. They're rubbing it right in our faces. Man, Andre have a goddamn hemorrhage when we don't get that briefcase back. We must have been following us for weeks. What do you say? gas man how the hell do they know that i got gas they gotta be pros don't worry we're gonna get that money back and i'll tell you something else they ain't never getting aspen i'm gonna see that and aspen (laughs) a-s-p-i-n is that what they did aspen with an i yeah (laughs) well lloyd is illiterate which is fucking weird right i don't know how he ever got a driver's license to begin with (laughs) yeah Good point. Yeah, Harry, honestly, I mean, what do you think? I think Harry's definitely the more educated-ish yeah. and logical yes. one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the movie's called Dumb and Dumber. And as a kid, I thought it meant one of them was dumb and the other one was dumber. Yeah. And I think if that is true, Lloyd is dumber. Yeah, absolutely. Lloyd, barely functional. Not going to use any specific words, but I'm just going to say the word dumb, you know? Yeah. Lower IQ. Not all there. Yeah. Has trouble reading. (laughs) And of course, you know, they sell the fucking bird to a blind kid. That's just like, that's still funny, dude. It's still funny, Jonathan. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, how else are you going to get 25 extra bucks? You know? Baseball cards, marbles, and a dead bird that has like, how many times did they wrap that duct tape around its neck, Jonathan? Oh, dude, I don't even think it was duct tape, man. That shit looked like scotch tape, like (laughs) right off the dispenser, man. That shit was so bad. This poor kid, this little blind kid in a wheelchair saying, pretty bird, pretty bird, Polly want a cracker. Billy and 4C has a hard enough life, you know? Like, he yeah. lives in the slums. He yeah. can't see, and he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. And now he's got a pet, finally. Like, he's finally got something to, like, care about in his horrible life. And it's this dead bird. So, did you ever watch any of the other ones that came after this? The most recent one? Bro, I couldn't do it. Okay, I couldn't do it either, and I did actually recently watch it, Dumb and Dumber 2, and Billy and 4C is in that movie, in the same apartments, and he's got a massive exotic bird collection. No way. Yeah. Okay, that's kind of a funny callback. Yeah. Do we count this as a franchise? There's three movies. Do you count the... Can you count the second one, though? Because Harry and Lloyd are not really in there. Dumb and Dumber are... Or, I mean, Jim Carrey and, and um, it, the Jeff Daniels are not in there. Yeah. I think you can because I don't think Dumb and Dumber has gone away. 
I think there will be another Dumb and Dumber someday. It'll be like a reboot or something. They'll just remake the shit, actually, now that I think about it. They will remake this movie one day, and they'll have cell phones or whatever. You know, it'll be mo- one of those shitty modern remakes. They kind of did it with Dumb and Dumber too. Yeah? Yeah. You, w- when that movie came out, I knew I had to get drunk to watch that movie. <laughs> so I was like at Lazy Dog having some Jameson shots and, and some Guinness. And you were preparing? To, dude, went to the movie theater totally passed out thought because it was awful it was so boring but flash forward to like i don't know a year ago i watched this and it was actually really watchable okay i i would i would suggest anybody that likes this one the original movie give the newer one a shot a fair shot no don't don't you know puss out after like the first 10 minutes okay i would say the same i i've seen both of them and it's tough to live up to the original, but if you're a big fan, then it's still worth it. It always is tough to live up to the original. Yeah. Maybe someday I'll check them out. There is a joke that's worth watching uh, for watching Dumb and Dumber 2. Lloyd pretends to be paralyzed or like catatonic for like, I don't know, 25 years or something. And... Harry's been showing up and like taking him out in a wheelchair, wiping his ass and like cleaning his diapers and, you know, shit like that for like 20 something years, all as a prank. And it's kind of cool how it comes out. That bit I have seen. Okay, good. Yeah. I mean, eh. it's not their, it's not their best, but it, it works. So back onto this movie, it becomes a road trip movie, and I think a road trip movie is a really great concept for a comedy. I think we've seen a lot of them, and some of them work better than others, but you can do a lot with a road trip. You can basically have anything happen while people are on the road. Obviously, the movie Road Trip is a famous road trip movie, but also Kingpin, another Fairly Brothers movie, classic road trip movie, and another one that I love that not a lot of people know about is a road trip movie about star wars fans called fanboys really great movie but mark i'm gonna toss to you harry and lloyd hit the road headed for aspen what are some of the things they encounter along the way sure so they uh start to hit the road and i i love when right when they get on the road they stop at a convenience store Lloyd comes out and it seems like uh, such a throwaway line, but he says, big gulps, huh? Well, see you later. Okay. Okay. It's just, it's just like such a dumb line, but you know, it, this movie is so quotable and this is one of those, those lines that I've said a million times. Whenever I've just seen someone, you know, like carrying a big gulp or if I have a big gulp, oh you know God. what I mean? And that was that was just an ad lib that you know made it into the movie, and then they they talk about those uh, twenty five extra bucks, and well, I, I want to hone in on that real quick because I, I was actually hoping to get to that point, and it's actually my favorite part of the movie. It's Jim Carrey walking out of what is basically a Seven Eleven, and he says the two guys out front. He just comments on the fact that they have big gulps. He's like stops in his tracks. Big gulps, huh? Cool. Okay. See you later. Hey guys. Oh, big gulps, huh? All right. Well, see you later.
for context, it's the middle of the night. Lloyd is taking over driving and you have this pumpkin pie haircutted freak <laughs> walking up to three black guys that look like they would murder him <laughs> in a heartbeat and just said, casually says, well, big gulps, huh, guys? Well, see you later. <laughs> like, it is the most... I don't know. There's like weird layers of comedy in there that are yes. hard to pin down, right? Yeah, you have to look in the depths at that one. It's it's not just face value. No, it's joke. not. It's like, way deeper. Because as a kid, I didn't give a shit about that. No. As I got older, I realized there's something really genius about that moment in this movie, and that's why it's my favorite part. There's multi-layers. One, the guys that he said that to, it's really late at night, and they're kind of like standing in front of a convenience store, and they're kind of gangstered out. It's really like that energy of like not the kind of people you want to fuck with but he just does it freely and then secondly the fact that he just like comments on someone's drink like you know those kind of people that come up and they just comment on something you're holding or something you like have they're like oh yeah so starbucks huh frappuccino it's like yeah and like what the fuck you like, yeah <laughs> what is it to you yeah. <laughs> i mean what was was a big gulp something new for the time in 1994 93 I don't think so, but it's just like, it's also that too. It's like a big gulp, right? Like it's like that name, like they advertise it as if it's something cool. Like, oh, you can get the big gulp. And to yeah. Lloyd, maybe that is cool. Like someone has a big gulp, like they've achieved coolness, right? right. He's like, wow, look at you. You got a big gulp. That's awesome. Good for you, man. Like you've done something. You can right? afford the big cup. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of comedy to that throwaway fucking thing. And the fact that they kept it in is amazing. I read that those weren't actually extras. Those were guys that were like watching them film at the convenience store and they just like brought them up. So those guys like didn't have their SAG card or anything. They were just like guys that were around and like you can be in the movie and they probably like paid them, you know, scale or whatever you can pay non union actors. I don't know. It looks like those guys probably got paid in dime bags or something. (laughs) (laughs) We'll hook you up with four packs of backwoods and a couple of dime bags. This is a straight out of Jim Carrey's cocaine collection right here. Absolutely. The first interaction when they do get on the road is when they go to the diner, correct? Yeah, I have to ask a question about this once you unfold this scene a little bit. No, go ahead. What is it? Oh, so I never understood what was so funny about when they ask Flo what her name was, like. Excuse me, Flo? (laughs) (laughs) Flo like the TV show. Oh. I I don't get it, because they just laugh hysterically. It's an old reference, man. Okay. it, It predates us. But there was a show called Alice about a waitress, uh-huh. and one of the waitresses was Flo. So, like, they were just referencing that show, and they laugh super hard because they think they're being wow. really funny by just referencing that show. Got but it. it's, like, not funny. How do you even know this? Other movies have taught me this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Hi, boys. What'll it be? I'm all set, thanks. Yo, Flo. Tell Mel to whip me up a toasted bagel with cream cheese. You want one too? Make that too and kiss my grits, nooch. Did you ever watch that show, Alice? That show is funny as hell, man. 
Okay, that that makes sense. And it's still not that funny. No, but it's, it's funny to them. The scene is funny because it's funny to them. Right. I mean, just watching these two guys laugh hysterically, just something about it just makes you internally want to laugh also. And the fact that he like he doesn't know how to escape the awkwardness that he just created. So he says, could you tell me what the soup du jour is? Yeah. And she says, it's the soup of the day. And then his response, that sounds good. Like, what is what sounds good about that? Like, if she said, like, it's a tomato basil soup, and he was like, that sounds good. That would, like, yeah. quench my appetite in this yeah. moment. But just the soup of the day. Just literally saying what soup du jour means in English. Right. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah. translation of it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, That's what's okay. so funny about that line, though. The actress's facial expressions in that, I mean, she just like, she had no room for this bullshit. Like she'd probably heard this joke a million times yeah. through the diner. And it's like barely a joke. It's a yeah. reference. Yeah. It's like the kind of joke you get in scary movie seven. They just reference something yeah. and you're expected to laugh. And like, they're almost making fun of that here. It's good. But I think more importantly than what happens there and more notably even is the appearance of an actor named Cam Neely, who actually isn't an actor. He's a professional hockey player, and he plays a guy called Seabass. Mark, what goes down with Seabass? <laughs> so uh, they're, they're eating their meals, and Harry spills the salt. And, of course, uh, spilling salt is bad luck. So Lloyd says, you just spilled the salt. Now you have to throw it over your shoulder. So he does, and he hits Seabass uh, with a salt shaker. Now, Seabass uh, is this giant trucker guy that you just do not want to mess with. Like you said, he's an NHL player, so they cast like the biggest, toughest dude for this role. He looks intense. He has like a a lip of tobacco in his mouth and he's like super hardcore like redneck trucker guy and he has fire in his eyes oh dude he's ready to go on site <laughs> any moment yeah sometimes you can see like the violence in a man's eyes and i think you can see that in seabass's eyes yeah you nailed it well uh, oh that it was a terrible mistake sir please oh believe me i would never do anything to offend a man of your size kick his ass seabass you gonna eat that? What, that? No, yes. No, well, no, I, I'd crossed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one other notable thing about this scene is there, they make reference to being in Pennsylvania in this diner. They really barely left Maryland. Or, Rhode, no, Island. Rhode Island. Yeah. That is not far, dude. That's like, that's like, Three hour drive. All and right. they've been driving all day and night. Time for a piss stop. You know they're going in the wrong direction half the time. Yeah. Yeah. They have no idea. They probably went north for a while and then had to come back, you know? Yeah, they probably hit the Canadian border <laughs> yeah. and came back. <laughs> so yeah, Seabass is there. They piss him off because fucking Harry, instead of just tossing like a grain of salt over his shoulder, launches the whole fucking salt shaker and it hits a guy that's like three tables down. Seabass is pissed and he has to come up and like put him in their place by hawking a loogie in Harry's burger. 
I love the setup for that though. He's like, cause he comes over and leans over the burger and he's like, are you going to eat that? And Harry doesn't know what to do. He's so totally panicking. And Lloyd is trying to be like totally inconspicuous looking the other way. I have no idea what's going on. Like he is such a pussy, man. Lloyd is Lloyd, the worst dude, in this scene. Oh, it's unreal. But the, like the, the indecisiveness and panicking of, of Harry is so awesome. And he's like, are you going to eat that? He's like, yeah, no, may- maybe. I-, I was thinking about it, yeah. probably. Yeah. <laughs> it crossed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Lloyd dimes him out. He, like, yeah. you know, when he's coming, he literally points to him. You know what I mean? Like, and he's on a road trip with this best friend. They don't want trouble. And he is diming him out in Why this diner. Why would he diner. do that? Why would he do that? Yeah. Because he didn't want to get his ass kicked. He was such a yeah. pussy. They could have just been like, I don't know. But you know what? Uh, to Lloyd's credit, he totally redeems himself in this scene. Totally one redeemed of, himself. Absolutely. This is one <laughs> of the couple of times in this movie that he redeems himself. By fucking him over? Yes. Totally fucks over Seabass. Yeah. It was pretty cool. It's a good scene. You know, they, they tell Seabass they're going to buy him a round of drinks to bury the hatchet. And then they go to the front and they say, yeah, Seabass said they'll pick up our, our tab and they, like point to Seabass and Seabass like motions toward himself, like right here, right here, like as if to say, we got it. So the, the person at the front just believes Harry and Lloyd. That was her fucking mistake, by the way. Yeah. She should have just asked them, like, you're paying for their shit. They would have got their asses fucking stomped right then and there. That would have yeah. been game over. Clearly, Seabass is a known patron of this restaurant. Oh, yeah. And, People know his name. And the waitress should have known there is no way that he's going to be paying for other people's shit. He is not that kind of guy. Another side note though, there's this very distinct way that Seabass like points to himself. He, with his like hand above his head, he's like one, two, three little points to himself. If I'm ever over at a restaurant and or anywhere and somebody needs to identify who I am and they call me out, that's exactly what I do. <laughs> it's stuck with me for freaking 30 years now, dude. Um, dude, maybe we can pull that off sometime. Maybe I can be like, that guy over there? And I'll and be then, like, and then you do it, ding, ding, and then I'll be ding. like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> like, or whatever Lloyd <laughs> does. <laughs> so stupid. It is stupid. The thing is, too, Seabass asks for four broiler makers. They got hard alcohol in this place. Like they, you know that a restaurant like this, they got a bottle under the counter, okay. just for him. Okay, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So apparently, that scene when they get out of there and you know Seabass is stuck with the bill is a reference to another Jeff Daniels movie, a movie that I have seen and don't particularly like. It was an '80s movie. It was like kind of a romantic comedy called Something Wild. Apparently something like that happens. I don't remember it specifically, but not a movie I recommend. I didn't like it. Anyway, they hit the road. That's kind of like one of their first escapades that happens on the road. Again, there's a lot of room for fun stuff to happen on a road trip movie. They also get pulled over shortly after, don't they, Mark? Absolutely. They get pulled over, and even literally them getting pulled over is uh, hilarious. Harlan Williams, great 
Hollywood actor, very funny. He says, pull over. And Harry says, no, it's a cardigan, but thanks for noticing. How many times have you wanted to say that one in real life, Jonathan? <laughs> I've yeah. never worn a cardigan oh, in my, my life. So, like, I almost secretly want to buy a cardigan just so I could how try satis- to set that up. How satisfying would it be to say that to a fucking uh, a highway patrolman? Pull oh. over. Oh, dude, I, I would probably nut myself. <laughs> yeah, actually. I'm pretty sure if I was able to pull that off. But I would totally love to do the other part where you say, killer boots, man. Killer boots, yeah. man. I've actually told officers that in real life before. Damn, dude. I'm surprised they didn't whip out the nightstick. They're like, if I hear one more motherfucking Dumb and Dumber reference from you goddamn millennials, I'm going to fucking crack some skulls. Sorry, go on, Mark. No, it's okay. I think we're also uh, missing that one funny part of him getting pulled over is that he just finished peeing in about 17 bottles right what are you a camel (laughs) exactly one of the funniest pee scenes of this time in my opinion other runner-ups i would say austin powers when he just becomes you know sort of human again after being cryogenically frozen right he's thawed out thawed out and he pees for just like a comedic amount of time evacuation complete (laughs) and it just keeps going so good yeah and then tom hanks in a league of their own i thought that pee scene was so funny because he's just you know it's his introduction into the movie we know he's a drunk and he's going into a women's locker room and peeing for like over a minute. <laughs> Technically, it was a men's locker room that women were oh, in. Oh, that's a good point. Right. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> it did have urinals, right? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, there's some, you know, great pee scenes from the 90s. You're right. I think League of the yeah. Rome came out the same year, by the way. But Oh, really? I used to think that peeing for the amount of time he does was like really funny but now to me it's more like the subtle things in that scene like the fact that when he hands the pee over to the cop in the beer bottle like he spills a little bit on harry and harry's face <laughs> harry's like you son his of a face. fucking bitch yeah you fucking piece of shit but he doesn't say anything but like his like non-verbal reaction is fucking priceless oh it's yeah, great cause... harlan williams's face facial expressions and the way he acted out that scene was just unbelievable also yeah because it's like if you drink piss right you want to have like a certain kind of reaction like you don't want to just immediately like puke right you want the actor to like convey like this like sense of realization that you had drinking piss Tic-tac, sir? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> he was trying to figure out whether he had a microbrew IPA or he had actual piss. Yeah. What's the difference? None. <laughs> <laughs> Hipsters ruin good piss drinking yeah. these days, you know? Jonathan, sometimes I feel like we can finish each other's sentences, man. Jonathan, do you have a question for you? Sure. Do you love me? No, but that's a real nice ski mask. (laughs) (laughs) Good man.
Yeah, and the cop wants to drink the beer, right? Yeah. He, he like hands it to him. The cop can, I'm sure he can tell that it's warm, but he wants to swig, you know? It's been a long day on duty. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, man. I feel like he had such a bad day and like it was an empty highway. He didn't pull anybody over today. And he's got this <laughs> stupid fucking sheepdog van that he's pulling over. I don't know, man. I, just based on temperature alone, I would probably would not even try to drink <laughs> that. Lloyd goes, Tic Tac, sir. <laughs> it's so good. That, that scene is just gold. So Harlan Williams was actually um, was almost cast as Harry, but they stayed with Jeff Daniels. But it would have been such a different movie but harlan williams is just such a funny comedic actor i love him in half-baked half-baked a lot of movies of that time rocket man yeah absolutely there's this one scene in half-baked which is a lot like a scene in dumb and dumber when they say just get the essentials and they come back you know, and they and Harlan Williams is buying all this crap, and Lloyd Christmas is buying all this stuff before he gets robbed. I think those two scenes are very similar too. I feel like Harlan Williams is one of those actors where you don't really know who he is until you go search through his IMDb, and you're like, "Holy shit, he was in that! He was in this! He was in this!" And he was just like plowing through movies in the '90s, early 2000s. Oh yeah, dude, he was a. Uh... He had a very classic scene in Something About Mary, right? Seven-minute uh, yeah. abs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> Unless, of course, someone comes out with six-minute abs. <laughs> no, no, man. No! No, no, not six. I said seven. Nobody's coming up with six. Who works out in six minutes? You won't even get your heart going, not even a mouse right. on a wheel. Hey, Good point. Seven's yeah. the key number here. Think about it. Right. Seven, seven elevens. Yeah. Seven dwarfs. Seven, man, that's the number. Seven chipmunks twirling on a branch, eating lots of sunflowers on my uncle's ranch. You know that old children's tale from the sea? It's like you're dreaming about gorgonzola cheese when it's clearly brie time, baby. Step into my office. Why? Because you're fucking fired. <laughs> the way that like breaks down his brain like you can see it like destroying yeah. his whole thought process I, you would think that he would start doing that twitching thing like he did <laughs> when he drank the piss yeah. you know well that's what became of that state trooper he became that mass murderer the, the oh piss drove him God. crazy we're gonna talk about another little scene on the road trip here which is I think one of the most memorable moments of the movie for me. And that's when Lloyd is at the wheel and he has a dream sequence, right? His whole fantasy about returning this briefcase to Mary. The way it unfolds for him is that he takes it to Mary and she instantly falls in love with him for returning it, right? He opens the door and like doves fly out, a really good scene, takes a peek at her ass. And then he takes her to dinner, right? It's not just the returning of the briefcase. Like, normally you would think that this kind of scene, it would stop there. Like, what's his goal? I take it to her, and we have a warm embrace, and doves fly out. Happy ending. No, it goes beyond that. Like, his fantasy is just due to the way his brain works. It's more involved. They go to dinner. And at dinner, the staff of the restaurant start, like, 
very grotesquely flirting with Mary, right? One of them starts, like, kissing her arms. Like, it's like a Morticia and Gomez Adams scene. Yeah, absolutely. It's like it's like they're at some fancy, you know, three Michelin star restaurant, and the French uh, maitre d' is is delivers the the dinner along with uh, kissing Mary's hand, and then he just gets carried away and goes all the way up to her shoulder, and he's like, "God, damn it!" You know, he's just pissed about it, and and the way that he like throws his napkin down on the table, it almost like thunks on the table, and. You can see the emotion build up, and he's like, all right, I am going to fuck this guy up right now. <laughs> he goes full Bruce Lee on the man, right? Oh, it's yeah. not just like a fight scene. It's he goes karate on the man. So it basically becomes like a mini kind of like martial arts movie. So right? we got a kung fu movie inside. It turns into a fucking kung fu movie where he takes out like the waiting staff. And one of the guys, they really like play up the like the ball damage that's done, right? He, like, punches him in the balls a thousand times and then bites him, which <laughs> yeah. is, like, really, like, the cherry on top moment. Yeah, I mean, uh, this movie wouldn't be complete without an obligatory nut shot, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, come on. You gotta have at least one. And they do it good. It's not one of those stupid ones where, like, someone, like, walks into a thing and they hit it. Like, it's... They fucking, like, hammered this thing down hard, right? They they went all in on this nut shot joke. Yeah, and... What I appreciate about the nutshot joke is that it wasn't even the best part of the scene. Usually that's like end scene because that was the height of the scene. That was just like a small little blip of the scene as a whole. Because he has to fight a boss, right? Oh, that's, yeah. That's what makes it a kung fu movie. Like the chef, the Asian chef comes out. Yes. <laughs> and he's and like, this dude actually has some kung fu skills, though. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, he's legit. It's almost like in Kill Bill where it's just like, He's going through all the people until he gets to the top yeah. or like, you know, how you do in like, you know, Mortal Kombat, the video game or something like that. Or the movie for that matter. Yeah, exactly. But I thought it was funny because like only the waiter really had beef with him over this girl. But then he starts fighting everyone. But you know what I mean? Like the these other people... I felt like, you know, didn't have so much in the in the game to be fighting him to the death. Well, haven't you seen the bear? Like, restaurant staff have each other's back, dude. Yeah, they, they do. do. They do, That's man. That's true. Fucking phenomenal show. It's good. Love yeah. it. So this, uh, this Asian chef comes out, and, like, what I think is really funny is, like, they're parodying a kung fu movie like we talked about. And in those kind of movies, before two people fight, they have to, like, show their katas. You know, they have to, like do a lot of like movements like yeah yeah and like they're posing and they're flexing and they're like ready to go it's like look at all the styles i know and the vocals right So Jim Carrey, right, not being the martial arts guy, just does like Ace Ventura-isms right here. 
He goes pretty full on Ace Ventura right if, here. Right? If you if you had an orangutan that had some basic kung fu skills, like <laughs> and what they put together as a kata form, like that that would be what this is. Yeah, there we go. That's it right there. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> like just the the body language, the body forms, the way that he moved around. He's got a, a somersault, perfectly executed somersault to a stand-up. Actually, it's pretty nice. Yeah, like I got to yeah. admit, like the little bit of acrobatics he does there, the cartwheel over yeah. the body is perfect. And yeah. then the somersault, Yeah, <laughs> the way he hops up. Jim Carrey's a pretty physical guy, right? Obviously, he's not an action guy, but like he has a great physicality to him, which you really see yeah. a lot more in like the movie The Mask. I mean, this scene had to be ad-libbed for... 90% of it, right? Oh, dude, I, I highly doubt someone choreographed and taught that to Jim Carrey. No way. They just said, do your thing. Yeah. Action. For sure. <laughs> so, you know, he rips the heart out of the chef. Pretty cool. It puts it into a doggy bag, gives it back to the chef, and then lets him die. And that's what makes it work, I think, is they cap it off with a little joke. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, it's just like, why was there this gratuitous violent brutality all of a sudden but it's okay because they kind of like cap it off with that little yeah. little joke at the end it's kind of murder if you think about it <laughs> like jim carrey is like having this daydream where he like murders this this chef like really he has this like weird sense of like like romanticized chivalry exactly yeah, yeah i could see that to win her heart but wait, there's more. And what I mean by that is that's not where his dream even ends. No. I mean, th that's just the first scene <laughs> yeah. of, of his fantasy, you know? Then he goes into this scene where he's like just literally jamming his tongue down Mary's throat in front of the fire. It's and it's so the weird. most disgusting and gross scene. Dude, that that scene made me like afraid of kissing when I was a kid. Yeah. It gave me like this fear of like, what if I go to kiss a girl and I do that? Yeah. Like, how do I not do that? You know. I thought we were supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You still do that. Yeah. Fun fact about this kiss: it won MTV Movie Award Best Kiss of that year. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> but you know what we think is going to be a sex scene, Jonathan, is actually two headlights from a semi. Yes, I, I love that Mary's high beams are flashing on and off. <laughs> but, but yeah, then you get brought back to reality. Semi-truck horn, flashing lights, and, and Lloyd is brought back to life on the road. Eventually they're back on the road, they're making their way through, but the two goons that are on their tail decide to like intercept them. And the plan is for Mental, aka Joe, to like pose as a hitchhiker and go on board with them, rather than just kill them outright, because I think he wants to learn about them. I think he wants to understand who they're working for. Because he says to Shay, he's like, we can't kill people we don't know. 
And I think what he means by that is like, we have to know exactly who they're working for and what their angle is before we kill them. Well, you don't know if they're protected. Are they working for somebody that's higher up on the chain than they are? Exactly. Yeah. They don't, don't want to like kill a made man. They've seen yeah. Goodfellas and they know how that ends. Right? Yeah. There's, there's a funny scene here. It's not in the main production. I watched it on Apple TV. Dumb and Dumber. I watched. But a long time ago on DVD, I had a, a copy of it that had deleted scenes. And this scene in particular... I prefer the deleted one rather than the one that's in, in the show or in the movie. What's the deleted scene? So there's this plot by the goons to have mental get picked up, right? That we just spoke about. And it's just a stupid, stupid line, but it always st- stuck with me for, I don't know, 20 years now. More than that was when I saw it. Shay's down by the lake and she tells mental... I got to go squeeze a lemon. And like, it's just like, sounds like one of the most raunchiest ways for a woman to say that she needs to go <laughs> take a leak, you know? But like, if a guy says it, you know, I got to go take a piss. I got to take a leak. I got to, you know, I got to whiz, whatever. Like, who cares? But to hear a woman say it differently and in that kind of form, I don't know. It's just always stuck with me. It's not one I've heard before, too. That is an interesting one. Squeeze a lemon. Yeah. Like a- <laughs> we can talk about this off the pod, but there's a reason why it's called squeezing a lemon. I think I understand. Yeah. See, uh, are you guys going to Davenport? My car died and I'm late for a luncheon. We usually don't pick up hitchhikers. But I'm gonna go with my instinct on this one. Saddle up, partner. You're it. You're it. You're it. Quitsies! Any quitsies? You're it, quitsies. No, any quitsies, no startsies. You can't do that. Can't do. Cannot. Stamp it. Can't do. Double stamp it. No erases. Cannot. Triple stamp it. No erases. Touch no, blue, no, make it no, true. No. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. Lloyd, you can't triple stamp a double stamp. Lloyd, Lloyd, you guys! Enough! So they do pick up Joe, and he is very quickly annoyed by these guys. Like, there's the famous, like, do you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world, which Lloyd does? And, like, you can see Harry start to laugh when he does that. And it cuts away, like, immediately. Like, Jeff Daniels, like, it, it got him. But they kept the take, probably because, like, you know, it was it was still good otherwise. And you don't really notice. Uh, you know, they do a lot to annoy him. They, they sing the song, the Mockingbird song, which yeah. I don't think is particularly funny. But I did when I was a kid. They pick up more hitchhikers. Before Joe can just like kill them, he's just at some point he just gives up. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna fucking shoot him. He goes for his gun, uh, but they make their way to a diner. Now in this diner, there's some very famous moments that were more for the kid version of me, I think. But Jonathan, can you tell us about how the the diner goes down? Oh yeah, so this this diner is like a I don't know like a barbecue burger place, but they must be known for having like the hottest chili peppers or whatever the case may be, because all over the decor, all over this restaurant is just flaming hot chili peppers around the lampshades, around the blinds, around the walls, posters, everything. So Harry and Lloyd end up trying these chili peppers and 
they end up becoming so freaking hot that these guys are desperate for anything to cool them off. I mean, they're like spraying their mouths with the squeeze tubes of mustard and ketchup and water napkins. I think Harry ate a couple of napkins at one point. Like it's just, it's just wild. Like these guys are ridiculous with these peppers. It's a, it's a good trailer moment. I don't, I don't think the joke is particularly funny for me anymore. Like, I think that's, I think I'm well past that. Cause that is a very surface level joke, right? Like, Something is super hot, and they so they use the condiments to cool their mouths. Yeah. What's it, funny to me is that, like, they're clean instantly when Joe comes back. Yeah, I mean, these guys had mustard and ketchup all over their shirts. I mean, all over their face, like, everything. The whole fucking just, restaurant, basically. Yeah. yeah. But uh, what happens with Joe when he comes back, Mark? So when Mental uh, comes back, they're discussing lunch, and, and you can just tell that... Harry and Lloyd want Mental to take a bite of his burger. And being a hitman or a thug or a goon, whatever you want to call uh, Mental, you would sort of think that if they're being so obvious about it that it might mean something, but you know, he's trying to have sort of a conversation. What's up with the briefcase? What are you guys doing? Why Why are you going out there? And they're just like, don't worry about that. How's your burger? <laughs> so then finally he uh, takes a bite of the burger. You know, they, they're just like immediately busting out laughing like, <laughs> I can't believe you took... You know, a bite of this, like just yelling and screaming in his face. You know, meanwhile, they don't understand what's actually happening is that, did he have a heart attack? Is that what it was? Or no, they gave him rat poison by accident, correct? The chili peppers uh, affected his gaping ulcer that he has in his guts, and then he begged for his ulcer medication his ulcer meds yeah but he also had rat poison in his pocket in order to poison these two guys and kill him because once exactly. he because during this scene he also Harry and Lloyd divulged that they had no idea what was in the briefcase all they were doing was going back across country to go return it so Joe was like all right this is a done deal these guys are idiots I'm killing them I'm gonna put rat poison in their Shirley temples and so they end up mistaking the ulcer medication for the rat poison and kill him. Exactly. So now they have a body count. They've killed a man. Yeah. And they dip the fuck out of there. Yeah. And the cops were there real quick. And they're already looking Ooh. for him. Then we get that stupid scene where they're like, okay, well, what kind of vehicle did they leave in? And he says it's an 84, check notes, sheepdog. How, how do they know it's an 84 sheepdog, though? I put that in my notes too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jonathan, would you know the year? You're a big car guy. Not with all that rug on top of it. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I guess they could have like gotten a plate number and ran the plate hey, and okay. identified. But the DMV would never have record that it looked like a sheepdog. It's an 84 sheepdog. <laughs> so stupid. It's dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. I loved how when they said, uh, like, check, please, like, as as soon as they knew he was dead, he's just like, check, please. (laughs) 
Yeah. These irresponsible men, they escape the situation. And they make their way to kind of my final point on their road trip part of the movie, which is basically just a gas station, right? Lloyd has to go use the bathroom. Harry's filling up the tank. But Lloyd has a very unique encounter in the bathroom, doesn't he, Jonathan? That he does. That he does. He is in the stall, and every gas station stall you ever go to, they've all got writing and sharpies. People write stupid shit, draw things, whatever. But he reads one in one very specific note. It says, be here for manly love at 2.15 a.m. sharp with an exclamation point. And just out of curiosity, Lloyd checks his watch and it's 2.14 and 58 seconds. Yeah. And you get the click, click of the two seconds and boom, door opens right up to the bathroom. Lloyd really thinks that like his life is over at this point. He is going to be sodomized and destroyed (laughs) by whoever walks through that door. Lo and behold, who walks through this door? None other than Seabass himself, 3,000 miles away from where they first met in Pennsylvania. Oh, cruel fate. Seabass is there for manly love at 2.50. Now we understand why he is so angry and has so much fire. He's got repressed homosexuality tendencies that he needs to get out. Exactly. He's been hiding it from all of his friends. And now his his life, his hat makes a lot more sense. It says wine him, dine him and 69 him. Oh yeah. That's what's on his trucker hat. But uh, he's not talking about the ladies on that hat, you know? No, sir. (laughs) He likes the good old sausage. Yeah. (laughs) Lloyd, Lloyd is horrified. And like sea bass, it's so graphic. Like sea bass, like, puts his hand on Lloyd's head and like lowers it down like yeah (laughs) it's so bad I mean Lloyd is like in the corner of this stall dirty gross bathroom at a gas station stall in a fetal position with Seabass's massive hands on his head getting into position but you know Harry's up to some shenanigans which I don't think are super worth mentioning but suffice to say through like a series of like slapstick comedy he ends up like setting his foot on fire. Yeah. And he like rushes into the bathroom stall and like slams the door open and it like knocks out Seabass. Like Seabass, I think we talked about this on the Kazam podcast very briefly. He has like a glass jaw. It turns out like he gets knocked out pretty easily. Yeah, for a hockey player that didn't even hit his head, it like hit his shoulders. The door hit his shoulders and his other shoulder <laughs> hit the sidewall. He got fucked up. Yeah. I mean, like it busted his nose too. They They put like, blood on the tip of his nose no not on the tip on like the the arch kind of area yeah, right yeah so they do take out sea bass yep and just for reference this is specifically where we see the uh big gulps hug guys scene right after this okay oh right look i told you what happened okay so just drop it yeah, okay sure thing hey look we're almost in colorado what do you say we change seats? I've been driving for nine straight hours. I don't have the energy to start a new state. So they're back on the road, and, you know, they don't have any more real shenanigans along the way other than the fact that Lloyd takes the wheel and takes him to the wrong fucking place. Where do they end up, Jonathan? 
Do you know? Oh God. I, I think they ended up in like Nebraska or something. Like okay. they drove hours and hours and hours. They drove all night in the wrong direction. So now they've got no money, no gas, no food, nothing, nothing to their name. They can't even continue the trip. This is another reason why I feel like Lloyd is the the dumber because Harry is driving most of the time in this trip, like up to this point. And this one section where Lloyd really has to pay attention and he makes this big turn and takes them in the complete wrong direction meanwhile he's saying to uh harry some people just aren't cut out for life on the road i thought that was like so ironic meanwhile he's like you know making the worst turn of the trip huh expected the rocky mountains to be a little rockier than this i was thinking the same thing that john denver's full of shit man I'm only human, Harry! Anybody can make a mistake. Come on! Stop being a baby! So we backtracked a tad! A tad! A tad, Lloyd! You drove almost a sixth of the way across the country in the wrong direction! Now we don't have enough money to get to Aspen. We don't have enough money to get home. We don't have enough money to eat. We don't have enough money to sleep. Well, pardon me, Mr. Perfect. I forgot that you never ever make a mistake. (laughs) Yeah, they end up in the wrong place and they have like a big falling out. It's a pretty good emotional beat of the movie, right? Where it's like, there's a couple of times where this happens where it seems like they're gonna go their separate ways and Harry has really had enough of Lloyd's bullshit. But very quickly, and by the way, this movie moves very quickly. It's very punchy, and it's super well edited to where it's just like, it hits the beats at the right exact time. Doesn't spend too much time on uh, any one particular thing, really. But Lloyd totally redeems himself because as Harry just decides to like walk away from the situation, he's walking down this empty highway, Lloyd shows up, with a new vehicle, it's like this little tiny motorcycle. I saw online that it's called a Taco 22. I have no idea what the fuck that means, but it's a little tiny motorcycle. And he explains to Harry, look, man, I found some child and I told him I'd give him the van if he gave me this because it gets way better gas mileage. So we, we have just enough money to make it to Aspen with this vehicle, which probably goes how fast, Jonathan? 30 miles an hour, 30 maybe miles an hour. <laughs> so, 70 miles a gallon. So they're on the road for like way more time than they need to be, but they, they can make it, I guess, because of the gas mileage, right? I, I have no idea how Lloyd could come up with that kind of a calculation <laughs> yeah. of, of yeah. mileage to, to cash he's on hand doing ratio. The algorithms. Maybe he's like yeah. Rain Man. He's super good at math, you know? Like, no, he's not. <laughs> no, no. Don't even, don't even try. And it wasn't his car. Yeah, seriously. It wasn't his car to trade. Yeah. He didn't have the pink slip. No. It was like an under-the-table kind of deal, you know? Yeah. Well, on that farm country out there, you do anything. So so not only were they on the hook for a murder, 
in wherever the hell they were, but now they're illegally driving a motorcycle, unregistered, uninsured, on public highways. Is this thing even street legal? I doubt it. Yeah, this thing. Well, there's no brake lights and turn signals, so. There you have it. Yeah, I don't see any license plates either. But, you know, they do make it undeterred, uninterrupted. Oh, shit, they do have a license plate. It seems like they they go, like, a very long way. The movie doesn't spend that much time. From here, they're like, all right, let's get them to Aspen, which I think is a good thing for the movie. They do arrive there, Mark, and they have absolutely no plan, right? Exactly. And I always thought at one point during this road trip, when did they realize that Aspen is not a warm place? You know, like, uh, once they actually get there, they say, yeah, it's the Rockies. But, like, before that, they thought it was going to be some warm tropical paradise. So I I wonder when along this trip they realize it's actually going to be completely freezing. And I think it's on this motorcycle on their way that... I think they realize, oh, this is going to be a much colder experience than what we thought it was going to be. Oh, they learn this the hard way, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and they make it there. They, they don't really have any means of finding Mary, and they don't have any money whatsoever. So they pretty much just, like, immediately revert to, like, a hobo lifestyle. They have, like, a fire in a park in like a fucking trash barrel, right? And that's gonna be like their night. And they're just basically gonna freeze to death out here with no plan. But with a stroke of luck and a little bit of a tussle, the briefcase is opened and they see that it's actually full of cash. This is kind of where things like get fun for them, right, Jonathan? Oh God, yeah. I mean, they've got an excellent plan in place. I mean, they're gonna use a little bit of the cash so they can get a nice room (laughs) for the night. A small loan. Yeah. And they're going to get We're some clothes. Yeah, they're, they're totally good for it. I mean, they're just going to put IOUs in there for every, down to every penny, you know? And those are as good as cash. IOUs <laughs> are as good as cash. Our word is bond. Yes, they are. So they go to a hotel and they end up getting the most extravagant hotel that you could possibly <laughs> get in Aspen. I mean, they talk about royalty stays there. Presidential figures have stayed there. And so they say, perfect, they'll take it. And they buy a Lamborghini. They've well, got they the need most, a car. They, of course. So they, they put an IOU for $250,000 in this briefcase for a Lambo. Uh, which, hold on to that one. <laughs> yeah, which totally doesn't make any sense to have in snow. It just sounds awful. What should they have it's gotten, true. Jonathan? I don't know, maybe like a Subaru Forester or something? <laughs> I don't know. Four by four truck or something. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. But I mean... That just speaks to their character. Everything that they do, everything that they buy is just so over the top. And anything less than that just wouldn't be them. Um, their, well, their clothes, I mean, everything. It answers the question, like, what happens if a couple morons get a million dollars? What do they do? And this movie answers that question very Absolutely. succinctly, right? Yes, uh, to the <laughs> T. Absolutely. I think they were so uh, dumb in this sort of pursuit before they found this briefcase. You know, once they found the figure out that the briefcase has all this cash, they had a great plan. Right. But right before that, it's like they had no money. They came all this way. They didn't have any sort of money or plan. Like, what were they thinking was going to happen? I think Harry thought his fantasy was going to come true somehow. Yeah. Yeah. 
or he'd just like see Mary on the street or something. But you know, alas, now they are like high rollers in this town. So like they have like I guess like greater access to information, right? They can now watch TV in their hotel room and they got newspapers and such. They watch a commercial, a moment that I thought was hilarious when I was a kid. It's like they're watching like this sad like lifetime movie, but it turns out it's a commercial and they're like blowing their nose in hundreds. I saw online that the kid in that commercial is actually Jonathan Brandis, who was in uh, Sidekicks, another big dumb movie episode. And he, you know, famously in a TV show called Sequest. He was a big actor for a while. He ended up killing himself, but uh, he was an actor I really liked as a kid. But they do eventually find out that there's going to be this big charity event thing that Mary's going to be at. So they have a, a place where they can go and see her. Lloyd can do what he's wanted to do, which is under the guise of giving the briefcase. But really, he wants to form a relationship with Mary. So now that they're high rollers, they got the expensive car, the expensive clothes, access to money, unlimited resources as far as they're concerned. They have a montage of getting ready for this ball, this charity event. Mark, do any things stick out for you for this montage? Oh, absolutely. So just the sheer amount of hair that they're <laughs> removing that's also not from their... <laughs> <laughs> their head <laughs> so like that their whole like pretty woman montage right. with this amazing makeover and of course like you said like two idiots get a million dollars they they come up with the most gaudy get up that has since been used in so many halloween and, um, you know, prom costumery of, you know, their, their classic orange and blue tuxes with the cane and hat. Oh, I love that look. <laughs> exactly. It's iconic. Yeah. Iconic. I mean, they have like the, the classic, like, try on this suit. And like Harry says, like, that ain't the one. Try on this suit. That ain't the one. But the stupidest one they possibly could find that was in like the back rack that was like kind of probably like a prank tuxedo for some like gimmick that's the winner right but i also do like the fact that like when they're getting like shaved lloyd has like the ketchup packet like acting like he got his fucking throat slit by the barber that's some good shit <laughs> yeah you know i i don't i don't know i don't really care for this scene too much i mean it's it's kind of an obligatory scene you kind of have to include it <clears throat> watch these guys get dolled up you know the the toenail thing stands out but it's like it's just progressively gross and then like gross yeah he, lloyd has these just i don't know fucking eagle talons of toenails and so <laughs> there's like a an asian woman trying to give him the pedicure she can't get them clipped and they end up having to bring out an angle grinder <laughs> and then there's like sparks coming off of this guy's toenails i mean it's just it's so stupid. It is pretty dumb, actually. <laughs> some, some noteworthy moments in there, for sure. But, Jonathan, why don't you tell us about the charity ball they go to? Yeah, so they, they have to go to this animal preservation gala, and it's for the, uh, I don't know, fucking Icelandic snow owls. You know, yeah. Whatever. The animatronic snow owls. Yeah, those things. And they were not... The animatronics were not very good either, but I mean, what do you expect? It probably wasn't a crazy budget movie anyways. <clears throat> it was spent on Lamborghinis <laughs> and, exactly. and orange and blue tuxedos. So 
the whole premise here is they're going to the gala. Lloyd needs to talk to Mary. He cannot muster up the courage to do so. So he convinces Harry to um, go talk to Mary and get him set up on a date or at least put in a good word for him, you know, and like bring her back over to the bar, have her come over here and talk to me. I'm going to sit here and put out the vibes. And like, he's just doing stupid shit. Like he's showing off his butt cheeks in the uh, nice, uh, nice tuxedo pants and just kind of trying to be a cool guy at the bar. And it's like, it's so not working. I have an idea. Why don't you go over and introduce yourself? That way you can build me up so I won't have to brag about myself later. Tell her I'm rich and uh, I'm good looking and uh, I have a rapist wit. No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I could know. Come on. I'm not. No, please. I'm not. Oh, that's, Aaron. <laughs> okay, 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 stop. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna hang by the bar. Put out the vibe. Okay. But Harry ends up getting hooked up with Mary and going confirmed a date for the next day by Mary's stepmom. Step-mom yeah. Yeah. And she just seems like one of those ladies that's just trying to be like a matchmaker. And I never understood this part though, because Mary has a husband, you know, he could be dead. That is true. And, yeah. But like, she doesn't even act like it at all. And so whatever, maybe it's, I figured when I was younger, maybe men and women just are friends and just hang out and go to the slopes together and sure, flirt yeah, all day. All the like, time. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I um, do that all the time, you know. Yeah. So, so you end up with a conflict here because Harry decides to tell Lloyd that he's got a date with her tomorrow, 10 a.m. Lloyd does. He's got to meet her at the bar. But in reality, Harry is actually going on the date with Mary and they're going to go skiing. So it's like, it's kind of a weird spot because Harry doesn't want to break the heart of Lloyd knowing that he's obsessed with Mary, but he's also like, wow, maybe this chick's kind of into me too. Yeah. And wants to take advantage of that. So he chooses to betray Lloyd in this, uh, in this moment. How come you didn't bring her over? Relax, you're golden. I got you a date with her tomorrow. Oh, what? I can't. Yeah. I can't. This. I love you, man. Oh, okay, okay. You're kissing me. You're kissing me. What? This calls for a little of the bubbly. You're gonna be my best man, Hare. Oh, good. I promise. Thank you. You have just earned yourself a seat at the head table, pal. <laughs> we already got the tuxes. Boy, this party really died. <laughs> and there's kind of like a, a nice plot touch here with like the perception of Harry and Lloyd from the actual villains of the movie, who is Shay, she's still alive, the goon, and her boss, which is a guy called Nicholas, who's played by Charles Rocket. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Charles Rocket. He was awesome in the 90s. The same year he also did It's Pat, by the way. But like when Lloyd talks to Harry and he's like, you set me up with Mary for tomorrow. Oh, this is awesome. Let's celebrate. And they open up a champagne bottle and that cork goes flying and it kills one of the owls. Like the way like Nicholas and Shay react to that is like, 
they got revenge on us for killing their birds. Like we killed one of their birds. Now they killed one of ours. These guys are good, you know? Like Yeah. And like, I and I guess like these that was one of only six snow owls in existence. Yeah. And he freaking so, kills it. This party sure died. <laughs> and this is after mental too. So they especially think like, oh man, these guys are dangerous. Right. They sent their toughest goon against harry and lloyd and he got killed and like shaven says those are the guys that whacked mental like <laughs> these motherfuckers are dangerous i just love yeah. that angle that perception that these guys are so fucking good at being criminals and yet they're the two most inept individuals in the world it's a good plot point for this movie don't take their idiocracy lightly these guys are complete professionals yeah <laughs> So the next day, of course, Harry does have the date with Mary while Lloyd goes to the place where he thinks Mary's going to be, but he just ends up sitting there all day and gets more and more depressed. But uh, Harry's date with Mary, there's the tongue thing, which is a little bit of like physical comedy that I don't particularly love. The thing I like about their date really is like when they're playing in the snow. Yeah, the snowball fight is epic. It's so funny, dude. I mean, this actually had me laugh out loud <laughs> to this movie. And I don't I don't laugh out loud to movies. Me neither. I don't have a lot of reaction either way. I'm kind of stone-faced when I watch movies. It is what it is, and I experience it, right? But it gets me every time when Mary just kind of is playful and throws a little snow. And Harry makes this snowball. And just chucks it at her point blank from like four feet away. Just nails her right in the fucking head. And she's like, oh my god, like nobody's ever done this before. W what do I do? Do I continue with the playful banter? Do I get pissed? I'm, is it, was this funny? And, and they end up having this like semi-serious snow fight. And it ends up being like just total... A, a moment to be cherished between the two of them. They had such a good, like, genuine time. But it starts off, like, pretty aggressive because, like yeah. you said, he hits her with a fastball special. And that shit, the sound effect of that, yeah, it sounds like it fucking hurt. Oh. Like, he gave everything he had into that snowball. Dude. He it, threw his arm out on that one. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, they get into, like, a fight, and, like, Harry's, like, fucking pissed. Like, he's ready to, like, box her. He, yeah. like, puts up his dukes. He's yeah. like, come on, bitch. Like, let's fucking do this thing. Yeah. You want to fuck with me? <laughs> yeah. And then, like, he realizes the absurdity of it. Something I don't think Lloyd would have been capable of. I don't think Lloyd would have, like, been able to escape that. Because, like, Harry, his brain had to, like, a neuron had to fire for Harry to realize that this is not an actual fight. And I, I don't even think Lloyd could get into that situation in the first place. Like, I don't think he ever would have been aggressive. I think he would have been a more nurturing kind of, like... I don't know, just super, super casual. He would have never taken it to any kind of a, mm. a more playful, um, aggressive kind of altercation. I agree. Yeah, because he had Mary sort of on sort of a pedestal yeah. at this point. So he, I don't think he would be slinging a snowball <laughs> point blank at her face. Well, Mark, do you think that like Mary is kind of like falling for him at the end of this date? I don't know about falling for him but there's at least you know that closeness that friendship that trust 
that, you know, she definitely has some sort of level for affection for him, but I also think in the back of her mind, she is married to someone that is kidnapped right now, and that's probably the biggest concern for her. She's just yeah. trying to make light of it in this on this nice day where they're, you know, in the snow. I've got to tell you, today was just what I needed. Thanks a lot, Harry. Well, it was... It was my pleasure, Mary. So you'll pick me up tonight at 7.45? Oh, well, no, I got a few things to, to take care of first, but what, why don't we make it quarter to eight? <laughs> Stop it. Okay, 7.45. Bye. It's probably got to give him some weird signals, though, him being Harry the man in the situation. Because when he drops her off, she's like, I had a very nice time with you, Harry. And she gives him a kiss on the cheek, which if that's like your first date with a woman, you pretty much think you're in, I would think. Right. That's guys? true. Like, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. From from a like ghetto project kind of street level where Harry's used to then for sure he gets those vibes. But I maybe like that rich elite levels that Mary's on, things maybe are a little different for oh, okay. her. Yeah, and like the so, social interactions are different for high society in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so she's got, she's coming from one point of view and like, hey, I really like hanging out with this guy because he's also a high society type like I am in paper. Theoretically, but, yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't, carry himself and doesn't give a fuck like the way all the other ones do, you know? And so she, I think she finds comfort and companionship in him just being the free spirit that he is. He's not pretentious. Like a lot of the Aspen elite are. Yeah. Look at, look at, you know, the homeboy Nicholas, you know, like like a total douchebag stuck up. Yeah. You know, he's got motives. And, and I think a lot of the people that Mary's involved with, are in that type of, you know, that archetype there. I mean, her parents are presidents of the, the nature preservation. I oh mean, yeah. Yeah. So she doesn't know regular people. What do you think about Jim Carrey's get up when he goes down to the bar, right? And he's hanging out with the bartender and he gets a visit from that girl. Do you think his outfit is pretty sharp for that uh, for that region? I, I wouldn't expect anything less. Yeah. I mean, he's got like eight inch tassels off the edges of his leather gloves. Yeah. I mean, and he's he, really showing them off. Right? He really is. Like he walks like kind of like a robot with his arms very like 90 degree angled and stiff out toward the front. So you could really see the tassels tassel he's like going like extra hard on trying to pull like a john wayne like physicality yeah. with like the way he like moves his arms and like his upper body like he's trying to walk like some kind of like cowboy type yeah and and you know i didn't really understand why he was so dressed up with this huge jacket i mean you could tell that this was a cowboy jacket that was made for horseback riding in the snow long trips to keep you warm he was totally dressed up with all of this stuff and he was going to the bar that's inside the hotel he was already at. Yeah, like he, was, right? he could have just worn his jeans and a shirt, you know, like 
No, he's got to go the extra this. mile. This guy has got yeah. a peacock for this event, you know? He's ready. Yeah. True. He's ready. This is the first date of the woman that he's trying to, you know, win over. So I think he wanted to try and impress. And doesn't he have the gloves on the whole time while he's at the, the whole bar, time. too? Yeah. It's so fucking funny, He's, like, right? knocking back Coors Lights with these gloves on still. <laughs> One of my favorite lines from this movie, it's very casual, but he's walking out and he sees the sign moon landing which is probably really old at that point and oh, he yeah. says no way we landed on the moon <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> just perfect point for his character right there also an ad lib yeah. line which is great there's a a nice component of comedies from this era where like there is a lot of ad libbing but it's not overly done. We talked about that on the last episode of Big Dumb Movie we did on The Nutty Professor. We're like, you have to hit that sweet spot of improvisation. And you don't want it to be overly done. Otherwise, it becomes a Ghostbusters 2016. And it's just meandering. But Lloyd finds out the truth of this situation, but he doesn't tell Harry that he knows, right? He finds out that Harry was with Mary because he shows up at Mary's house and he sees this whole thing unfold and he has a plan to get revenge. Absolutely, he does. So Harry is still lying at this point. He's supposed to go on a date with Mary, pick her up at quarter to eight. I mean, 745. Okay, quarter to eight. <laughs> um, <laughs> he tells Lloyd, you know what? Go meet up with Mary. She did, probably didn't mean 10 a.m. at the bar. She meant 10 p.m. at the bar. Why so, would she want to meet at 10 a.m.? Because she's a raging alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just figured she was a raging alcoholic. That's a great line. So good. <laughs> Are you sure you went to the right bar? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Lobby bar, right in the lobby. <sighs> well, maybe she just had a change of heart. Oh, oh, that pisses me off. That pisses me right off. I hate when women do that, you know? She wanted to see you again. She told me that. And now, no, now, wait a minute, wait. She must have meant 10 o'clock at night. Do you think? Why would she have you meet her in a bar at 10 in the morning? I just figured she was a raging alcoholic. (laughs) 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 And all this time I've been going through such pain and personal anguish. (laughs) Such hell for nothing. (laughs) The Uh, fact that he's like... Like as if he assumed that and he was cool with it. Like Yeah, like that's okay. Like her She's her so beauty, hot, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Absolutely. So Harry says he's gonna go catch a movie. Lloyd's set, quote unquote, to go out on a date with Mary at ten o'clock at the bar. Lloyd fixes up some drinks uh for himself and Harry. And he puts in a I don't know, half bottle of they what they call turbo lax turbo so lax. yeah hooks him up with this laxative he knows that it's just gonna tear harry up and so he makes him drink the whole entire thing in one gulp and uh 
sure enough, Harry takes off. He starts feeling some weirdness in his stomach. You start hearing the rumbles in the uh, while he's in the Lamborghini on the way to go pick up Mary. Bubble guts. Bubble guts. Absolutely. <laughs> and these were bigger than bubbles, man. And these were like, oh, yeah. Bursts. <laughs> I mean, it sounded like like an engine cranking over that just didn't want to start. It's like major so pain. You remember when he takes yes. the cupcake? It's like the plumbing sound. Like yes, that's exactly what I thought of. Yeah. I was thinking this is another big touchstone of the '90s. Is like the X lax prank. <laughs> it is. It's classic for this era. Exactly. I never did this prank on anybody with an X-Lax, but we there was always a rumor that like if you put Visine in somebody's drink, that was going to give them the shits. Oh, okay. And so I did that before. It didn't work. No, oh, okay. You just poisoned them? Yeah. <laughs> they did that in Wedding Crashers. So, of course, Harry shows up at Mary's and immediately has to take a shit, runs into the bathroom, destroys the bathroom, doesn't he, Mark? Oh, Absolutely. They make it, like, so violent. And this is another one where, you know, as a kid, it's just so funny. And I definitely, being young when I did see this movie, recreate <laughs> the dramatic <laughs> the dramatic shits. Okay. <laughs> I feel like a lot of kids d- did that after this movie came out, just to act like that. And it's so funny because he's doing whatever he can to act like he's not doing this. I'm cleaning my teeth. Um, But inside the room, he's also just like in physical pain. He somehow unscrews the entire toilet off the uh, hinges and is trying to take it out the window. (laughs) Yeah. You know what the part that really gets me is it's it's not even the shitting part. It's not even the fixing the toilet part. It's none of that. It's a very subtle piece of the scene right before. So Harry runs in. He turns around, gets positioned, and he's got to, like, undo his belt buckle. And, like, when you know that you've got to take a shit, man. Like your body knows that you're like now inches away from the toilet you're groundhogging. Right. Yeah, and so like happening, dude, he, it's like, Oh God, Oh God, it's coming. It's coming. And like, he's violently ripping off his belt, ripping open his pants. Like just the way he did it made me think that he really needed to shit. Yeah. Like anybody could just go to a scene and just undo your pants and sit down. Right. And like, you know, whatever, continue with the scene. But like, I really felt like this guy's asshole was about to be outside of his body, Yeah, you know? And <laughs> and that was the part that sold the scene for me, not the rest of it. <laughs> well, I think the, like Mary, when she knocks on the door, she's like, you're not using the toilet, are you? He's like, no, I'm just uh, shaving, shaving. <laughs> like that's, that's good. Yeah. No, I was just shaving. Shaving? Yeah, I... I was running a little late. I thought this would save some time. Okay. Well, I'll be in the kitchen whenever you're ready. Lloyd has a reaction to this at the same time. Like, Lloyd is traveling to Mary's house, and, like, he has this maniacal 
insane Joker laugh that he gives on the way, which is like really funny. It's yeah. like he, this whole scene is like playing out in his head and it's just amusing him to no end. I really like that. Yeah. Laugh. He's so uh, crazy eyes all the way over there. Yeah. Like you could tell there's way more going on in that head of his than ever has before. Lunatic Lloyd. Now Lloyd does finally show up and he explains the briefcase and he sees Mary in person and he talks to her. And the briefcase, the mention of it, completely like captures her attention and she's like, I have to go with Lloyd. So she leaves like Harry at her house and gets on the back of Lloyd's bike and back to the hotel room where he delivers the briefcase. And maybe Mark, you can take it from there. Uh, sure. So this is where... Um they get back to the hotel. Um, of course, they have to uh, race up the stairs. And he, he's being as much of a kid as Jim Carrey uh, can be. He can't let her, you know, run up the stairs quicker and drags her down. Um, but they eventually get up to the room. He shows them the briefcase and this is also funny because he's you know going through the IOU well no this is when the the mobsters sort of intercept them correct they yeah, do Nicholas after showed up after a few minutes right Nicholas. they get to talk a little bit right like That's she's true. she's very appreciative of Lloyd coming all the way here and delivering this briefcase Mary is a really nice person by the way like the way she is in this movie she She's obviously, like, gorgeous. And she's, like, way nicer than you would expect a woman that looks like that to be. Like, she's very kind to people around her. She's very kind to Lloyd when they first meet. Like, yeah. even though he's a fucking, like, lunatic, basically, she accepts it, and she's, like, she's nice, and she's like, thank you, Lloyd. She remembers his name. She's, like, very... A very nice person. So Lloyd is, like, trying to to pursue his dream that started at the beginning of this movie of being with her. And he asks her the question. He says, look, Mary, I like you. I came here because I have feelings for you. And I want to know what are the chances of us being together? And, you know, she kind of, she wants to be nice at first. So he's like, you just got to tell me straight up. And that's when we get the famous line. <laughs> Mary. I desperately want to make love to a schoolboy. Maybe I should no, be going. No, uh, no, I. <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> um, what I meant was, um, I, I like you, Mary. I like you a lot. <laughs> I want to ask you a question straight out, flat out. I want you to give me the honest answer. What do you think the chances are of a guy like you and a girl like me ending up together? Well, Lloyd, that's difficult to say. And we really don't hit me with it. Just give it to me straight. I came a long way just to see you, Mary. Just least you can do is level with me. What are my chances? Not good. 
You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! I read you. I've always loved that joke. It's very played out now, obviously. Like, it's it's a little bit overused and everyone knows it, but it's a really well-written joke. Are you talking about the one, one in, in a million? million? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the other setups to the one in a million. Because there's, there's the part where he's like, I desperately want to make love to a schoolboy. Like he fucks <laughs> up the what he wants to say. Yeah, that's a good moment too. Yeah. And then he's um, like working up the courage to confess his love. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, she's like, maybe I should go. <laughs> but it it's funny that he takes that as a good thing, right? He's like, that's like about all he hoped for, I guess, in reality. Like that's to him, that's like worth a shot you know I mean, perspective man i mean there's you know at the time what was there four billion people on the planet one in a million's not that bad so you're saying there's a chance but nicholas shows up to ruin their day right he's not gonna allow this flirtation to go on any longer and he wants his money in this briefcase so he shows up and he handcuffs them it's like the big villain reveal right at yeah. least it is for mary we've known you know, what, what's kind of weird about this whole Nicholas thing is like, you really don't understand throughout this movie until you get to the very end, like what his role really is, right? Like, he's just kind of like this guy who the the goons are working for and he wants his money and he seems like he works for Mary's parents or something. Totally a two-faced kind of guy, but you really just don't understand what's going on with this guy, but he's involved in the movie somehow. And then this scene going forward, you really understand what what his role is. Yeah, he has kidnapped Mary's husband. Dun, dun, dun. For a ransom, for which a was ransom. the briefcase. There's a lot of money in that briefcase, Jonathan. Yeah. So he Did goes, they ever divulge how much money is actually in there? I assumed it was a million dollars. Do they say that at some point? I don't think so. I don't know why I thought that was the number two, yeah. but I'm not I'm not sure uh, specifically where maybe somewhere during the ransom discussions, they say how much is supposed to be in there. Well, he checks. He wants to make sure the money's in there. Yeah. But uh, Harry and Lloyd have spent all of the money. All of it. It's that's all just insane. Full, full of in like, like two days napkins with IOUs written on it. And that's as good as money, though, I guess. It so is. That's, that's pretty cool. Their word is bond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one's for a car. Might want to hang on to that one. Absolutely. What was it like 275 or 250 or yeah, something? It was yeah. fucking insane. Jeez. It's funny because these are two guys, like you said, live in the projects. The rent is probably a couple hundred dollars back in the 90s. They have nothing, but they also blew through all of this money in like two days. Like you would think this is generational wealth type money. Like they can completely change their lives <laughs> yeah. and livelihood with this sort of money, but it doesn't go that way. They could have totally failed the worm farm like a hundred times with a million bucks. <laughs> and they would have. So, uh, you know, Nicholas, Charles Rocket is not too happy that there's no money left. 
Harry shows up kind of at the last minute and intervenes in this whole thing, right? Like, he's now being held at gunpoint as well. They're fighting about Mary. Yeah, there's this really confusing scene, right? Because Harry gets back to the hotel after shitting his brains out. Yeah. And he runs into the lady that he was trying to hit on at the gas station a a few days earlier, which, ironically, there was also a scene with her and Lloyd in the bar. And she just seems like an obnoxious obnoxious lady right but somehow this connection between her and Harry you don't know what's going on until afterwards until it's all revealed that she's like the FBI agent right following them right so she has like a hand in what happens right yeah so she hooks up Harry with a bulletproof vest because they had been following those two guys they'd been following Nicholas they knew the goons were looking for the money. They they knew everything. The FBI knew all of it. So they hook up Harry with the bulletproof vest and a gun, a nice little six shooter. They um, give his, this fucking guy a gun. Yeah, well, he's a pro. <laughs> <laughs> he's a pro with a champagne bottle. Then he can shoot a gun, right? Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you say so? <laughs> they don't perceive him to be a pro. That's just what like the villains think. Yeah. Right. So Nicholas ends up. Well, Lloyd again bitches out and he's like, no, 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 shoot Harry first, shoot him, shoot him, kill him. (laughs) And so Nicholas totally freaking pops him in the chest twice. And then they're getting, he's getting ready to go shoot Lloyd and Harry pops back up and unloads the full clip on him, man. Like it's like a real Pulp Fiction moment, right? He just like shoots all around him. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And, and it had nothing to do with the fact that Nicholas was a righteous man and everything was just going to go around him. That wasn't no. divine intervention. No, it was not divine intervention. God that didn't was just, come down from heaven and stop those. Absolutely not. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> He's a horrible shot. <laughs> oh, oh, no. You killed my best friend, you bastard. If it's any consolation, you're about to be reunited. Harry, you're alive, and you're a horrible shot. Lucky me. Everybody move! Everybody freeze! I get those hands up! Not you, dummy. Get the gun. Special Officer Beth Jordan, FBI. And then right after that, then the FBI busts down, comes into the room, guns a-blazing. No, nah, actually, they didn't shoot anybody, did they? No, but they, they do. You they know, all had guns out. They capture him. Yeah. You know, he's taken to jail. The villain is kind of defeated, I guess, in that way. Yeah. And this it's is kind of anticlimactic, really. It is. You know, they, there's, there's, I think there's a good joke at the very end, which we'll talk about shortly. Yeah. But like... In terms of like the the climax of like this big villain getting defeated, it's not super great. But he was never really built up that much anyway. He was just kind of a plot contrivance in a way. So he gets taken out and Mary's real husband is actually rescued. I guess, you know, when the cops took him in, he probably just said, all right, here's the location of the guy. So they, they rescue Mary's husband really quickly. Now, Mark, how do you feel about the um, the moment where Lloyd gets to meet Mary's real husband? Oh... It's a interesting take because they, I feel like this was also something of the time where they do, you know, version A, where, you know, something 
completely different happens where you know he takes one of the policeman's guns and and kills you know mary's husband and then he snaps out of this daydream and he's just super friendly with him i thought that was you know like a funny moment in that exchange like his his daydream is to like murder this guy because he's like so obsessed with mary exactly yeah it's pretty good it's pretty funny But, you know, that's that's pretty much where it caps off. You know, Mary is married to someone, and she's not going to be with Lloyd, even though Lloyd was obsessed with her. And they just got to move on. They don't have jack shit anymore, Harry and Lloyd. They spent all this money. Fortunately, they're not in any legal trouble, so that, like, they're lucky in that way. They still got that pending murder case, though. Yeah, that, that would, there's <laughs> at least a manslaughter charge somewhere involved with uh, mental. They breeze over that. Yeah, they... <laughs> They get off. They have to walk all the way back to Rhode Island, apparently. <laughs> and uh, the final joke of the movie, Jonathan. I think it's a good one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it is, too. These guys are on their way out. And I don't know, maybe it looks like they're in Arizona, New Mexico. Very desert kind of area. They have no car, no money. They're just walking. Like, I don't know. I, I do have a problem with Mary sending these guys on their way without like getting them a flight back home or something like that was kind of fucked up thanks dude. for your help fuckers yeah now get the fuck out of my life yeah like go ahead and walk they did spend all their money yeah. that's true that they did spend all of it <laughs> i was wondering about that what happens to the money and these assets and everything someone's gonna hang on to the ious you know yeah they're gonna keep all everything they'll right? redeem those later maybe that's in part three if, if a family has enough money to pull up a million dollars cash unnoticed, they got plenty more money. They can afford to lose the million. Yeah. You know? Anyways, after Mary was done being a bitch, sending these guys back with nothing, they're walking along a desert road. This tour bus stops, and it says Hawaiian Tropic on it. And for those who aren't familiar, it's a company that makes sunblock and tanning oils and stuff like that. I don't know if they are into anything else. Maybe some chapstick. I don't know. So it's a tour bus full of smoking hot bikini chicks. And they are looking for two guys to help oil them up at every bikini competition that they're going to go to across the country. Lloyd and Harry, as helpful as they are, let them know that the town is about three miles the other way. And they could find two guys there that they could totally pick up and take on tour with them. Yeah. I heard Jim Carrey say once that in the original ending, they did get on the bus, yeah. but he wouldn't allow that because like he knew that his character was too dumb to yeah. like actually make that decision. Yeah. It works yeah. better this way, I think. Yeah, so I, I think so too. And then to double down on it, they run after the bus after it takes off and Lloyd stops him again and says... You think that they're going to like, go, oh, shit, we realized our mistake. We're going to get on this bus. And he says, no, the town's three miles back the other direction and tells the bus to make a U-turn. Yeah, I, I think it was a de definitely a good cap for the movie. Yeah. Right. Like opportunity is not the problem with them. They are the problem. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They've had so many opportunities <laughs> to do everything they want in their life. Yeah. They are the ones that fuck it up every time. And it's funny because they're mentioning as they're, you know, saying one day it's going to be our turn. You know, if that opportunity ever does come as it just walked out the door. 
Just got to keep our eyes open. <laughs> and that is Dumb and Dumber. Before we get into ratings, do you guys have any final thoughts? I had two uh, two mentions. One of them being in the scene where Harry is allowing his insides to be on his outsides in the bathroom scene. Mary is watching a show from the 90s that was very nostalgic called A Current Affair. Yeah. Oh, my God. And there's a scene on A Current Affair about a little boy with a bird with no head. Yeah. And she's like, these people are sick. (laughs) That was kind of funny. Great callback to itself. Yes. Right. The other thing was there's this moment where Lloyd learns that Harry was fucking him over by taking Mary out on the dates and he's totally heartbroken and he's so confused. He wants to cry, but he wants to throw up. He wants to like, he has all these emotions and like body reactions at the same exact time. And so if you ever go search for a GIF online and you just type in the word puking or something like that, that GIF of Jim Carrey's face pops up every oh, time. Yeah. And Absolutely. Yeah. As the, the creation of that. The dry heave. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Mark, do you have any final thoughts? Sure. So um, I noticed a couple. So in this year in uh, 1994, I felt like that shooting scene, you know, was sort of almost like an homage to Pulp Fiction because it's just such a terrible thing, even though Pulp Fiction was just earlier that year. Mm -hmm. But this... 1994 is honestly like one of the best movies in cinema, in my opinion. Pulp Fiction comes out, Forrest Gump comes out, which I remember they also had, um, they have these movie posters of Dumb and Dumber where the two of them are sitting on the bench and it looks just like the Forrest Gump sitting on a, a, a bench. So I feel like they poked poked at that as well in some of their oh that's cool i never i never uh, knew that yeah in some of their advertising i mean why not though they have nothing to lose like why not mock other uh just stellar movies from the time exactly so yeah just in the realm of the cinema of that year in addition to you know jim carrey just being completely on fire at that time you know they turned 17 million dollars into 247 million dollars at the box office which is is pretty good and of that 17 million they paid jim carrey 7 million so a lot of that went to him oh yeah yeah he was taken off man and uh you know 94 like you said a lot of movies. A lot of movies we've done on this podcast from 94. Mm-hmm. 94 and 95 are the, like the two biggest years for episodes we've done here. Um, I want to say in my final thoughts that I might have a hot take here, but the actress that plays Mary, Lauren Hawley, beautiful woman, but I think hotter than her is Shay, Karen Duffy. Shay is <laughs> a babe, dude. Shay can okay. get it. I like the regular girl status of Shay. She was in Blank Check. She yep. was like the hot FBI agent that kissed a 10-year-old boy. So 
well, that will forever be on that actress's record of some weird shit she's done. Very fucking weird. S-T-Y-L-E. <laughs> Style. I also want to say, in terms of casting, I mentioned I was going to talk about this. Here's some info I got from IMDb. I have no idea if this fucking shit is true, but I thought it was interesting. Nicholas Cage and Gary Oldman were the original choices for Harry and Lloyd. Oh, God. Well, fucking weird. Never. It would have never worked. Steve Martin and Martin Short turned down the role of Lloyd, apparently. And Rob Lowe was once up for the role of Harry. I could see Steve Martin and Martin Short doing Lloyd and Harry. Maybe. Maybe. In Maybe. a different time. In 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 the eighties. In the eighties, yeah. 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 Not in the nineties. Ten years before, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but this one obviously worked out perfectly, and it was like a huge movie. Everyone was talking about this movie. Everyone yeah. was quoting this movie, dude, at school. Yeah. You know what? A chance. There was one scene that we we didn't speak on, and I remember distinctly as a kid that thinking it was so funny. It was the massage scene where Harry like tells the masseuse he wants to massage her instead and he totally puts on her little dress and stuff and he like uses his <laughs> hair to massage her like did you did you watch this movie with your wife last night no okay. I, I did not no but she's seen this thing a million times i was gonna ask if she had any thoughts on that particular moment i'm pretty sure she would not want to even comment on that no for the record my wife is a licensed massage therapist yeah so <laughs> she doesn't take lightly to disrespect of the trade no no <laughs> she gets uptight about it oh yeah okay yeah for sure all right all right i try to get happy endings man she's like no not <laughs> not having it damn dude yep you can't even get it yeah it's nope. like <laughs> i can't even get it don't fuck around i'm sure she has some like very interesting stories to tell from her line of work which Oh yeah, uh, maybe one day we can hear on the podcast. We, we could do a, a episode about a massage therapist if one exists. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. We, we got to do a, a, a wives episode. Oh, I'd love that. Um, one final thought. Last thing. Back in like the two thousands, there was this surge of videos on the internet before YouTube was really a thing called recut trailers, and people would take movie trailers, not movie trailers. They would take scenes from movies. And they would make trailers from them on their own, but the trailers are intended to misrepresent the movie, right? So they did like Forrest Gump, like he's a serial killer, things like that. So the trailer sets it up a certain way, right? They do the like recuts, right? Yeah, recuts were what yep. they were called, and I loved recuts. Yeah, some of them were made really well. There was one that was made for Dumb and Dumber, and it was unique because they interspliced Dumb and Dumber with other movies. The name of the trailer, I want you guys, if you're listening, to look this up on YouTube after the episode. It's called Alien and Predator versus Lloyd Christmas. So basically they take Alien and Predator movies and they mix them up as if there's like some kind of war going on with Lloyd Christmas and his friends and family against aliens and predators. And it's like a fight for humanity. And it's fucking clever as shit. And I, it's something like the kind of thing I wish I could make. It's it's, it's really incredible. Absolutely. This was so, like... Early YouTube just royalty. Oh, yeah. You know, um, it, it just screams early 2000s all over the editing, all over the, the the transitions between different scenes. But it is so good. There's another it. really good one, too, called um, Shining, which is the Shining recut. And they basically take like the Shining movie and they make it as if it's like a feel good family movie. 
Like it's like a lifetime family movie. <laughs> nice. And it, like at the end the the narrator's like shining. Like as if like it's like this nice thing. <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch some more of those. It's so good. I noticed they do that with Wes Anderson movies now. Or like they make other movies in the vein of Wes Anderson style because oh, his I've cuts are so similar like so, so iconic. Yeah, the X-Men one is classic. I love it. All right, I think we're ready for ratings. Mark, on any rating scale you want, what are you going to give Dumb and Dumber? I give this movie 8 out of 10 headless parrots. (laughs) Ooh, severed bird heads, you say. Severed bird heads. (laughs) Is he a parrot? Is he a parakeet? Parakeet. Yeah, 8 out of 10 headless parakeets, please. Anything you want to say in your uh, rating here? Any reason why it gets such a high rating? Sure. Um, definitely a iconic movie of my uh, formative years. It's definitely a movie that I think has aged well as well because when I was young, I loved the physical comedy of it. But as I was older, I found that there's actually a lot of intelligent you know, jokes that kind of go above your head, like Swanson Samsonite. You know, I didn't know Samsonite was a, you know, a travel company when I was yeah. young or the the John Deere letter, yeah. you know, like the, those sorts of jokes would go over my head as a kid, but I appreciate them now. That's good shit, man. Yeah. I'm going to go next. I'm going to give this seven out of 10 big gulps. <laughs> See you later. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm kind of ashamed that I still like this movie. I have trash talked Jim Carrey's movies like so many times. Like I did a podcast on Ace Ventura and there's so much of that movie that just doesn't work and is fucking stupid and awful. And I'm going to be doing another podcast pretty soon with spoilers on the Ace Ventura sequel. And Jim Carrey had a fuck ton of misses in the 2000s. He just did all these like weird movies that didn't work really well. Number 23 and the fucking Majestic and just dumb shit. I don't like his comedies that came after, like Fun with Dick and Jane. There's a lot of stuff mm. in Jim Carrey's work, that his body of work that I don't like. But of the 90s Jim Carrey movies, I think this one holds up the best. You know, I think it's clever in a big way that maybe some of the other movies aren't. Ace Ventura has some good writing to it, but I don't think it's a particularly clever movie. I think this one kind of is. There's like this weird, subtle cleverness to the Fairly Brothers movies, and I think it extends their shelf life in a way that uh, like a movie like Ace Ventura doesn't quite capture. So, as much as it shames me to say, it's a pretty fucking good movie. I gave Nutty Professor recently something like two and a half out of ten. Like, it just was not working for me. It wasn't like getting the the funny sparks firing in the way that this movie does. And I saw this movie a lot as a kid. That probably influences my judgment a little bit. I'm not saying this is a fucking masterpiece of a movie. If you want to see a masterpiece by the Fairley Brothers, the closest thing you'll get, I think, is Green Book. But this movie's still pretty good. Jonathan, what are you going to give it, man? Any rating scale you want. There, there's no scale for this. This movie is just going to be a yes, always. I will always watch this movie. I don't have a problem stopping my channel surfing and leaving it on this movie, even if I was looking for something else. I will watch it. I'll continue to watch it. The jokes always hit for me. 
I think now in my later years, I'm more appreciative of the subtle jokes, the small innuendos, different things that you would never understand as a teen or younger watching this movie. I'm always, always just going to like this one. Fucking A, man. Fucking A. Very good. I want to thank you guys for joining me for this podcast. You know, this is one of those movies where I kind of need the right people that want to talk about this movie on it. You know, I have some friends that probably just wouldn't be too interested in this movie. wouldn't quite have the same enthusiasm that you guys have. So thank you, Jonathan, for being here. And thank you, first timer Mark, for joining us. You know, I'd love to have you on again. It's been great having you here. Hey, thank you so much. I'm honored, especially, you know, I've listened to uh, your podcast. I, I'm, I enjoy listening. So to be on for this episode specifically is very special to me. So thank you very much, Corey. Happy to have you. If you, the listeners, want to write in, you can email me at bigdumbmovie at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram. You can also message me there. Big Dumb Movie Podcast. And my big ask, the best thing you can do for this podcast that will help us out the most is to leave us a positive rating and written review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out a lot. If you listen on Spotify, you can also leave five stars there. Although in order for you to have access to that functionality, you have to play an episode fully through from start to finish. I think including our end credits music that I have at the end. So if that's your platform of choice, please do that. But, you know, the Apple podcast reviews is really what I need. I need more of those. So help a brother out. It's been very fun. I appreciate you guys being here once again. And you, the listeners, I thank you for listening. We love you and good night. <laughs>